1: The right radio program sounds like the bizarro other side of midnight. This is not the uh, version of Enter Sandman that I am accustomed to beginning each program with Matt. Plays, what do we have here? What is this?
2: This is the special Friday edition of Enter Sandman, oh. and we will have see there's a lot of artists that have covered Enter Sandman, so I thought it'd be kind of fun if we played different versions. Of Enter Sandman. Now, this is, I would say, industrial metal, kind of, because it's still heavy. And I wanted to start it off with a heavier version. And
1: who is who is this here? Who's so this is, her
2: name is Rena Sayawama. I think okay. that's how you say it. Right.
1: Well, we'll see how people react to the alternative versions of uh, Enter Sandman. Otherwise, maybe it might just be a one-time thing. But if people enjoy the different versions, then maybe we'll stick with it. All right. It's Friday, at least on the East Coast. You know what that means. That means it is time for...
0: The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank Anything. 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 I am
1: prepared to tackle your questions on any subject. Anything you are genuinely curious about, I will give you my best effort at answering Those questions, if you have questions about... uh, And whoever comes up with the best, the most interesting, the most original question... In the minds of our staff, our uh, staff consisting today of Matt Blaze, Elias from the Elias Sports Bureau, and Jake Epstein, who I just learned is the uh, second cousin once removed of the infamous Jeffrey Epstein. I did not know that. How did you know? Yesterday. That was wild. So uh, whatever the three of them come up with as the best, the most interesting, the most original question is uh who we're going to go with. So make them good, make them make them interesting. Now, uh Jake is uh, new to the screening process. This is the first one of these he's done before. So do him a favor, make the questions good. Make them interesting. Make them different from what we've had before. Make them out of the box, creative things. Something you're really interested in, something you're really curious about. Could be about my personal history, could be about the radio business, could be about uh cinema, cocktails, books, could be Anything that you're genuinely interested in. It shouldn't be just an opportunity for you to pontificate. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Neil on Staten Island. Hello, Neil.
3: Hey, Frank. Hey. Uh, I I came across a uh, documentary, and it said that originally Jack Lord was offered the role of Captain Kirk, and he turned it down because he wanted half the franchise. And uh, then they went to William Shatner. So my question to you is, Frank, had he not turned it down, would you be as enamored with him as you are with William Shatner?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we don't know how history would have have played out if that would have happened. I mean, Jack Lord is a a fine actor, but I I don't see him having the same sort of ability to kind of – connect with every aspect of the human emotion the way a master thespian like Shatner does. And my fondness for Shatner, and thanks for the call, Neil, goes far beyond him just playing Captain Kirk. It's the way he speaks. It's uh, what he did as T.J. Hooker, what he did as Denny Crane, what he does as a moderator, what he did as the host of shows like Rescue 911, what he does as a spoken word artist, the books that he's written. He's just really one of the few individuals... That has ever spoken to me on every possible intellectual or emotional level, but would would things have been different if Jack lord uh, had that role i don 't know i mean it's it takes a lot more than just being the captain of the enterprise because Jeffrey Hunter was the captain of the enterprise too, and uh, Jeffrey Hunter is a great actor, including when he played Captain Pike and he's in one of my favorite political movies, the last hurrah but uh i don 't feel the same uh kinship with Jeffrey Hunter that I do with. William Shatner, 800-848-9222, that's 800-848-9222, Alfredo is in Newark. Hello, Alfredo.
4: Yes, Frank, how are you? Frank, I am a, uh, I am curious, uh, why your program doesn't have that disclaimer that I think all programs or most programs have, like, uh, you know, the the radio doesn't, doesn't have responsibility, things like that, with your program? I, you know, I, not I, I'm that, not...
1: Yeah, Alfredo, I'm not understanding what you're saying, actually.
4: There is a disclaimer that the radio says that uh, this radio, you know, doesn't have any responsibility with that, that you just say something like that.
1: So I guess your question is why I don't have a disclaimer? Yes, and all other programs have it. I, I didn't, I, You know, I didn't know that all the other pro- pro- programs had it. I, that's a, a question I really can't answer. Um, Matt Blaze, do you know anything about that?
2: I think he's talking about the disclaimer that runs at, say, the, that say the, ho- the opinions of the hosts right. and the callers. Right, and we don't have that? I, I think it only runs at anything. one time. Well, What's your name? Where are
5: you calling?
1: Uh yeah, so I uh, yeah, apparently we don't have it. So uh I uh, I guess we don't. I I can't speak to that. So I I just I don't know. I we've, we've, nobody's ever sp- spoken to me about it. I have no idea. You know, the one thing that I can understand is um you know, Mayor Giuliani has been such a um a- has been such a source of controversy and litigation and lawsuits that I wouldn't be surprised. I in fact, I have heard a disclaimer on his show and I think that's just because he's become such a lightning rod. For various reasons that maybe the station wants to create a, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of distance between some of the things he might say as controversial as they might be at times in the rest of the program. But I haven't heard it on other programs. I don't hear it on, uh, Dominic Carter's program. I don't hear it on, uh, Rita Cosby or Larry Kudlow. And, um, you know, so, no, I just, uh, I don't, I don't know, but I, nobody's ever spoken to me about it. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Dan, what's your question?
3: Uh yeah. How you doing? Uh, If you could be one of the Beatles, which Beatle would you be and why?
1: Oh, um, I would be I would be Ringo Starr because I feel like Ringo had, and I'm sure he did do a lot of work, and I'm sure sure he did have to work hard, but I feel like Ringo had to put in the least amount of work and had sort of the easiest job. I feel like it would be the easiest role for me to step into. I also feel like Ringo is kind of where I am personality wise. He's very much in on the joke. He's, uh, the, the conductor on Shining Time Station. He's, um, I, I feel like when he's done his own, um, songs and so forth. They're song, and I actually do them in karaoke sometimes. They're songs that are pretty easy to do. So I feel like Ringo got a lot of the acclaim and the revelry of being one of the Beatles, but he didn't necessarily have to put in the same amount of work as say a John or a uh, or a or a Paul. So I I know that's kind of a crummy reason, but uh that's that's my reason. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty. Two, uh let me say hello to paco hello paco yes good morning superstar frank how are you i'm great what's on your mind um my question is this um i, I might be um homeless
6: uh uh soon and um i understand that the shelters are, are full and um you know it's occupied by many uh illegal aliens and i'm a veteran and um a disabled veteran and i just want to know if you have any idea if they would give me a right to shelter and would I have the same rights and benefits as these illegal aliens yes, that get yes, put up and,
1: in hotels,
7: yeah, right? the in yes Yeah, the right
1: see? to shelter was put in place for people like you for New Yorkers and that's um that's when it was uh it was put in as a result of a consent decree in uh, in the 1970s I believe but it's a byproduct of uh the New York State Constitution's social welfare provision so yeah you're the kind of person that the right to shelter was was put in place for and the uh the migrants that are benefiting from it they have people like you to thank for that as well as the uh, people that produce that consent decree. Uh, just one quick word about a uh, reminder on questions. When you, when you call in, try to get to your question right away. This way we can get to as many questions as we can here and, uh, cover as much ground as we can. 800-848-9222. 9222 Igor is in New Jersey. Hello, Igor.
3: Hey, greetings, Frank. So Frank, my question is about uh, the Orioles uh, baseball broadcaster who's, who does their uh, broadcast. His name is Kevin Brown, yes. and I guess you're probably familiar with him Yeah, I story, talked about but... it
1: a, a week or two ago. Yeah.
3: Oh, okay. All right. Well, I have another question for you. Then I'll go. I'll go off of that. Hey, so Jeffrey Gorion he's my favorite guest on on your show, and uh, and I and I checked out his video and all that, and I was wondering, and I and it's a playful question. Do you think his hair is like that when he gets up out of bed, or do you think he spends time making it up?
1: That's a great question. Actually, I think um, I think he spent some time on it. I can't imagine that he wakes up with that level of hair. Honestly, I can't. Uh, I I don't think that that just occurs naturally. I think he probably put some work into that. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Maryland, listening on WCBM. Robert, what's your question? Oh, Frank, it's good to talk to you. My question
3: is about, I wanted to find out your opinion about the film uh, Midnight Cowboy.
1: I love it. I think it's uh, I think it's terrific. I think uh, John Voight is terrific in that picture. I think uh, Dustin Hoffman is great in that picture. I absolutely love it. I think that's um, I, I don't know. That's almost a perfect picture. I think the acting is great. Yes. I think the story is very compelling. Yes. I think the obviously the music, it has in some yes. respects gotten even bigger than the picture itself. I, I love it. I think it's John Voight and Dustin Hoffman at their best.
7: And, Frank, I think what's interesting about
3: it, real quick, is that um, I love the way, I love the characters, because you have John Voight, who's very strong in the body, but very weak in the mind, and Dustin Hoffman is the opposite.
1: I I, uh, I think that's very astute on your part. I think it's a great picture. I absolutely love it. And if I am not mistaken, I'm going to have to look this up but i think that might be the only film that had a rated x version ever to win best picture i think i think that's the case uh but i I'm, i would have to i would have to look that one up i'm pretty i'm from memory i think that's the case 808489222 92, 9222 uh let me say hello to Mia in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Mia.
8: Hey, good evening. I'm wondering why does
6: Atlantic City not have a radio station or
8: a newspaper? Thank you.
1: Well, um, Atlantic City does have two, uh, several radio stations and a newspaper. We're on one. We're on uh, Talk fourteen hundred WOND. It's a great talk station with people like my buddy AC Mike Lopez on there, and uh, a lot of other folks that we, that we, Scott Chronic, that's been a guest on this show, a legendary morning host, Don Williams. And uh, there, there's also WPG that carries my friend Brian Kilmeade. Harry Hurley's on there as well. A lot of great talent on there. And uh, you have the Atlantic City Press. So they do have newspapers and, um, uh, to, uh, you know, radio stations. Chris is in the Catskills. I love Chris.
3: Hey, good morning, Frank. Assuming Donald Trump is confined to house arrest in Florida or New Jersey because the Constitution provides for adequate se- Secret Service protection, Trump will not go to prison but be ironically forced to campaign out of his basement? Who wins the battle of basement campaigning, Trump or Biden, and the general election? And if Biden has to step out of the race because of health and age issues, who emerges from a Democratic Party primary victorious to face Trump in 2024? So uh,
1: I think... I think it's impossible to answer the first question uh, in terms of who wins the general election, Trump versus Biden, even if they're both, uh, as you said, doing the battle of the basements. First of all, I think it's unlikely that Trump would be under house arrest by the time of the election. The um, I think at this point you would have to give a slight advantage to Biden. And that's because, uh, as it stands now, I see the general election, if it is a Trump versus Biden rematch, coming down to four states. Those states being Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, and, um, and, uh, you know, I guess, um, maybe, I mean, those are the, those are the three that I see definitely being in play as maybe Wisconsin, maybe Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. And at this point, I think the uh, there are a couple of things that are working in Biden's favor. One is the abortion decision we've seen in the in the um, midterm elections. The result that that uh, Roe versus Wade overturning has had on independent voters and people that normally wouldn't vote, particularly young voters. Keep in mind. Voters that were 14 in 2020 are going to be able to vote in this election. Uh, So people that were people that are 16 years old now are going to be able to vote. I think in, in those four states and maybe in the country as a whole, there's a good chance that those four states break towards Biden. The other thing, and people may not want to hear this, but a year ago. I would have said it was uh, in spite of all Trump's obsession with the 2020 election and so forth. I would have said uh, that any Republican and, and Trump would have beaten Biden because of three issues. Rampant inflation, uh, sky high and rising crime and the situation at the border. Now, all three of those situations are still bad, but they have improved significantly. Over the course of the last year, if they continue to improve significantly over the course of the next year, then uh, I think it's uh, it's a pretty good situation for Biden in those four states. But if things go the other way, if we see cities like New York continue, well, uh, New York's going to go for Biden anyway. But if we see the migrant crisis continue to get worse then uh, I think Trump is is going to be a very compelling candidate in a state like Arizona. Now, the thing going for Trump is the possible presence of this no-labels candidate. The polling suggests, and I don't necessarily buy this, but some of the polling does suggest that if there's a no-labels candidate there, that could have an inordinate um, n- negative impact on Biden's candidacy rather than Trump. Uh, if Biden decides not to run... I would think the front-runner, he certainly thinks of himself as the front-runner, but I would think the front-runner is probably going to be someone like a Gavin Newsom, uh, maybe a Pete Buttigieg. I don't think that is the best candidate for the Democrats. I think the best candidate would be someone that can appeal to moderates, somebody like the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, who's shown an ability to get Republicans to vote for him. I think that would be a very strong candidate. Absent that, maybe someone like an A.B. Klobuchar. But uh, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. All right. We're going to continue with your – let me squeeze in one more here before the break. Chris is in Suffolk. Hello, Chris.
3: Frank, how are you doing, buddy? I just had a quick uh, quick question. Uh, when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies was a Bruce Lee movie, Enter the Dragon, right? And they just re-released it. They had it in a the movie theater about a week ago. It was the 50th anniversary. And I was just curious if you ever had any opinion about uh, the cause of his death, saying that he was allergic to aspirin. If you ever heard of anything like that before,
1: uh, I have heard of it, but I have always had questions about that. And I actually would like to do a segment exploring uh, the uh, the death of Bruce uh, Lee because oh, that I, would be
9: unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I think be really
1: I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of un, unexplained. Uh, issues with Bruce Lee's death, and I'd definitely like to look into that. Thank you, Chris. We're going to continue with your questions in a moment. 800 This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead.
8: Handling legal matters is stressful, so let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25-plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce To real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718 418 5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno, he's your numero uno.
0: It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
1: This is Flo Rida featuring Jason Derulo, and uh, we are going through an Ask Frank Anything, giving you an opportunity to ask questions on any subject that you are genuinely curious about. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let's go straight to Alex in Brooklyn. He's usually got a creative question. Hello there, Alex.
10: Yeah, hey Frank. Thanks for taking the call. And by the sure. way, RFK might give Trump the general election because if he runs as an independent, he'll get fifty fifteen percent of Democrats voting for him. Well, I think we at this Trump point well,
1: first of all, I think you know, so I'm gonna count that as your question since you tried to squeeze in a comment and then uh try to get in another question. First of all, I think uh honestly I I really like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I don't know that I would vote for him because I do have some some issues with some of the things that he's said and done, uh, but I strongly prefer him to Biden. And I think I probably prefer him to Trump. If it's just a Biden versus Trump race, I'm voting for Trump, right? If it's a Biden Trump RFK race, I think there's a good chance I'm voting for RFK. And I think there's a lot of voters like me out there. And at this point, Because of some of the things that RFK has said, because of how he's been villainized in so much of the liberal media, because uh, RFK has uh, staked staked out a number of traditionally conservative uh, positions, I think there's actually a a good chance that there's a lot of voters that would otherwise vote for Trump that would vote for RFK in the general. So I think that he actually I don't like to use the term take votes away from someone or take votes away from this person. But if you use that kind of thinking, I think there's a chance that RFK may actually take more votes away from Trump than he does Biden. I have a lot of friends that are Trump supporters that have actually registered as Democrats so that they can vote for RFK in the primary. Uh, one, My friend Mario, for instance, big Trump supporter. He said that he is um, registering as a Democrat because he thinks RFK is this year's Trump. Another fella I just had breakfast with a couple of weeks ago said the same thing. He actually switched parties to register as a Democrat so that he could vote for RFK in the uh, in the primary. I think uh, so I don't buy that because he's a Democrat. He would take more democratic votes than republican votes. I don't get that at all. Doug is in uh New York City. Hello Doug.
4: Good
6: morning, Frank. Do you remember the 1993 film and decent proposal, starring Robert Redford, Danny yeah, Moore, sure, Woody sure. Harrelson. Yes, Let us let us imagine you are at a casino, and it's you who catches the eye of a beautiful woman. Frank, how much money would it take for you to accept the proposal? And other than your crush Tulsi Gabbard, whom would it be your first choice for the woman to be?
1: well i wouldn't really call uh tulsi gabbard my my crush i mean i uh, i i like her as a political figure and uh, intellectually but i mean she's not someone that i pine over or have the uh have the hots for in fact i've known uh, I know one person that um, she's had a romantic relationship with and I have a strong dislike of that person and that really does kind of turn me off of ever viewing her in romantic terms. I, I view her in leadership terms and respect and uh, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, as far as an indecent proposal goes, the way that worked is it was really Woody Harrelson, if I'm remembering the cast correctly, who was Demi Moore's husband, that got was the beneficiary of the money. So I guess that would be more of a question for Rachel than me, but uh, look, I, as uh, my wife and others can tell you, am really not too motivated by money. I've been trying to think um, more financially minded, but uh, I don't, uh, I, I, I've i never been a money guy. I'm trying to become a money guy because I have a lot of bills to pay and a son to take care of now, but I, I really would not let money Dictate my actions to any significant extent. So I, I guess uh, the other subtext of your question is, who would I want the woman to be? I don't know. I don't say I really don't uh, sit around fantasizing about uh, about anybody really. I mean uh, that I that I could think of eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. I'm sure I do, but uh, nobody necessarily famous. I don't know eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mark is in New Jersey. Hello, Mark.
3: How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop, Frank? Well,
1: if we've seen the commercial, you know it's three, right? One, two, three. I, myself, never made it without biting. Dave, what's your question?
6: Hi, Frank. Um, It's kind of a two-part thing. One, have you ever seen the movie Starship Troopers? Because I know you're kind of a sci-fi guy. Yes,
1: absolutely. I've seen it. It's been a while, but I've seen it.
6: All right. And what do you think of the concept of the movie that... You earn your citizenship by serving in the military or doing a public service.
1: Well, I, um, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, that's how it was in Sparta, right? I think you should, I, I would like to see some sort of requirement for national service. Should it, um, be a condition of citizenship? I don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, I, yes, I, I like the idea. I think we need to get Americans in the habit of, devoting themselves to a cause greater than themselves whether it's um and it doesn't have to be military it could be could be uh, charitable could be a teaching fellowship could be the peace corps but yes i like some some idea of national service i do but um it's you know I, i'm i'm pretty liberal with what i would exp- would i would Demand as national service. So eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Dave is in North Vegas. Hello, Dave.
3: Uh, hello. Um, uh, as far as the actors of the fifties, sixties, and seventies, maybe not the best actors, but which ones to you had the most distinctive facial features? The and may act- I give you my uh, the uh, may I give you five of them? Five. Oh, okay, sure. Charles, Charles Bronson, Jack Palance, Lee Marvin. Victor Mature, and my all-time favorite, Lee Van Cleef.
1: That sounds like a pretty good list to me. I'll go with your list. 800 848 Let's say hello to Joe in Northern Jersey. Hello, Joe.
3: Yes. Hi, Frank. Mega dittos, as uh,
6: you would call Rush Limbaugh show. But, Thank uh, you, yes. I have a question about uh, Curtis, your uh, sidekick yeah. there. Uh, if they don't Mugshot Mr. Trump, why did they have to handcuff your pal Curtis? Is he going to run away? (laughs) Is he a threat? (laughs) did he drop a gun Uh,
1: you know i don't think he was in and first of all it was plastic handcuffs so i don't think it put too much of a strain on his wrist i don't think he was in handcuffs for very long i think it's just sort of the the procedure i uh i i i I get that it's silly but i guess that's the nypd procedure if they make an exception for curtis then everybody's going to start uh asking for some sort of an exception 800-848-9222 brandon is in new jersey hello brandon
7: Hi Frank. Um this question is not on my own. I actually got it from some people I respect. But uh say you love diner food, but you know, you don't love uh chain restaurants or fast food restaurants. Diners are like the
3: you know, definition of fast food. Half the stuff is frozen, cooked to order, other stuff sitting around for days until you order it. What's uh, what's the difference in your mind? Well,
1: it's every difference in the world. Um first of all, I don't it's not necessarily fast food that I have a problem with. I I have a problem with uh, some of the kind of the unhealthy aspects of fast food, but my broader problem is chain restaurants. Chain restaurants, you know, even uh, chain restaurants that are not McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's, you know, things like uh, Applebee's and things of that nature. Those are those are chain restaurants that uh, or Chili's or uh, Romano's Macaroni Grill or the Olive Garden heaven forbid. Those are not fast food restaurants but they are chain restaurants and my my problem with it is multi- multiple. One is it is emblematic of the destruction of America. It used to be, prior to the rise of the interstate highway system, which I'm all for, the interstate highway system, prior to interstate highways, every community in America had a very distinct feel. If you were walking around Manhattan, it was a very different experience than walking around Sheboygan. If you were walking around Uh, Baltimore, it was a very different experience than walking around Memphis. All the communities had different accents, different characters, different local news sources, different local entertainment sources, and different restaurants, different cuisines, different words for the same things. Now, increasingly, if you're in Baltimore, Memphis, Alaska, Sheboygan, or New York City, you're going to see a Chase Bank, a CVS, and a Subway. And to me, that's what's destroying, uh, American communities. It's turning all of America into a shopping mall. Now, look, if people, my wife loves Taco Bell, more power to her. If people love chains and want to go there, fine. I would rather spend my 20 bucks, my 40 bucks on a local eatery to preserve the character and quality of a neighborhood than contribute to making the United States of America a shopping mall. Additionally, if you go to a chain restaurant, you, you get this fake nice waiter or waitress. They all have the same plaster pasted on smile. They're trained to be nice to you all the time. I cannot stand that. I um, want a waiter to be nice to me because I have earned be getting, getting nice treatment from that waiter through my wit or through my tipping or through my good looks or because that happens to be a genuinely nice waiter. Going to a chain restaurant is the equivalent of going to a, uh, a gentleman's club. In a gentleman's club, all the strippers are nice to you. They are. It's not because they like you. If you go to a chain restaurant, all of the waiters and waitresses act like strippers. They're all nice to you because they're all phony and fake. If you go to a real restaurant, sometimes the waiter's nice to you. Sometimes the waiter's not nice to you. Or the bartender, same, same thing. you got to earn that. And I just hate that you go to... The same, you know, Subway restaurant in New Jersey or California and a sandwich that you get tastes exactly the same. You go to a diner in Suffolk County, it you order scrambled eggs. It tastes different than the scrambled eggs that you'd get in Nassau County or New Jersey. Every diner has a very unique feel to it. All sorts of unique characters, different pictures on the wall. It's, to me, it's a completely different experience it's not even i don't even think it's comparable i mean other than they both serve food that's comparable but to me comparing a diner to a fast food chain restaurant or any chain restaurant it's the equivalent of comparing you know a a tenured college professor to a substitute kindergarten or kindergarten teacher are they both teaching kids yeah i guess they are but there's really not at all in the same boat. All right, 800 848 9222. If you have a question, Paul is in White Plains. Hello, Paul.
3: Yeah, I got a uh, couple music questions. Uh, what, what's with sneaking in the fake uh, Enter Sandman? Hey, you that think was, we uh, wouldn't
1: let, know? no, uh, no, I mean, clearly I noticed, but um, I, I think that was a Matt Blaze idea. He thought it would be fun for a Friday, try a few different versions of uh, of Enter Sandman. I think that's as simple as that. 800 848 9222. Paula is in Baltimore. Hello, Paula. Good morning, Frank. Morning. What talent would you like to have that you don't
6: have? And what was the time where you ate the most of your life? What was the food? How much and how did you feel afterwards?
1: What is a talent that I have that I don't have? Um, I guess, um, hmm. I wish and I, I would like to be a great ventriloquist. And, uh, I really don't want to do that enough to put in the work of becoming a ventriloquist. But if you could just bless me with one talent other than wisdom which would be my first wish but uh if you could just bless me with one talent I would take uh ventriloquism so uh, that would be that what's time that I ate uh, more than I've eaten in my life probably at a um all you can eat sushi buffet uh, there have been several times when I've gone to these all-you-can-eat sushi buffets and uh, and just been gorged. Uh, so I don't think I could pick one, but I could definitely remember which sushi buffet it was. All right. Uh, 800-848-9222. We're doing an Ask Frank Anything. Two open lines if you want to jump on board. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
0: Other side at midnight with Frank Murano.
11: She's like the wind through my tree. She rides at night Next to me She leads me through
0: moonlight Only to burn me with the sun She's taking my heart She doesn't know what she's done I Feel the breath in my
11: face
1: She's Like the Wind by the great, the late great Patrick Swayze. Unfortunately, Patrick Swayze, a very talented actress, um, did films like Dirty Dancing and Roadhouse. uh, Gone over, uh, almost 15 years now. And today would have been his birthday. Today he was, uh, he would have been 71. 71. Died in 2009. What a shame talent taken from us far too young all right we are answering your questions on any subject at 800-848-9222 that's 800-848-9222 as part of
0: the other side of midnight proudly presents ask frank Ask Frank Ask ask frank anything ask frank anything ask frank anything ask frank anything I think, uh, honestly,
1: in my opinion, and I'm I'm seeing that reaction from the folks that are going to determine the winner, I think the questions thus far have been pretty mediocre. So if you have a question that's different, that's out of the box, that's extraordinary, that's something you're genuinely curious about that um, you'd like me to answer, give me a call, 800-848-9222. It could be anything eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. All right, let me say hello to Robert in Suffolk. Hello, Robert.
4: Hi, Frank. Hi Robert. Uh sorry about sorry about because the you know, deck first.
6: Uh, will you be getting another cat? And if so, what kind might it be? Will it be a feral you socialize? Uh, uh, from or one from a shelter you adopt, or uh, maybe a, a abandoned pet that comes your way. Yeah, uh, thanks, Robert.
1: I don't think we would get another cat anytime soon. I uh, My wife's still pretty broken up over Melchizedek's uh, passing, and we have two other cats. So I don't think that uh, we really necessarily need a third, and I don't know that the other two would really want to – Get used to sharing the house with a third cat. And uh, honestly, given the amount of veterinary expenses that we have faced for two of our cats over the course of the last year, I don't know that we have the money to get another cat. Uh, also, we, my wife takes care of these outside cats. There's three outside cats that come to our house and she feeds them and takes care of them. So it's almost like those are our cats without living in our house. And on uh, on Thursdays, she goes and takes care of a cat colony nearby our house. So there's uh, there's plenty of cats in our lives, including the two that we live with. I don't think we would get another one, but my wife has said... That um she would get only black cats in the future, she loves black cats. Uh, she has a very good experience with the black cat that she that we have now, Bethsheba. Sheba yesterday was uh, black cat appreciation day, as I mentioned, and uh, she has said that uh, a lot of times black cats have a tough time being adopted because of the superstition, and in her experience, black cats are generally very sweet and very playful and get along with humans very well eight hundred eight four eight ninety two Twenty-two. Let's say hello to Pat in New Jersey. Hello, Pat.
8: Hi, Frank. My question is two-part. Whatever happened to your uncle, who got engaged to that woman so quickly, who didn't like his cats, and he wanted you to take them? And what happened to the cats?
1: Well, he gave them away. Um, I uh, I don't know who to. We put them up for adoption. And um and he was very broken up about it. But uh he yeah, he is now in a cat free household now. Did he marry her? N- uh, no, they're engaged. They have not gotten married yet, but uh but they're they're planning on it soon. I don't think they've set a date, but uh they're definitely definitely still planning on that.
6: Okay. I was just curious. Yeah,
1: good question, Pat. Thank you. 848 two. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two. Twenty-two. Gina is in Brooklyn. Hello, Gina.
8: Hi, Frank. Frank, I was just wondering: Did you ever play hooky when you were in high school? And if you did, what'd you do on that day?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, as my last two years of high school, I think you, I probably played hooky more than I attended class. I, um, I, what did I do on those days? I did all sorts of things. I would. Um, I would hang out with my friends. I would, uh, work on political campaigns. I would, uh, produce television shows. I would, uh, call talk radio shows. I would, uh, play sports. I would, um, I'd read. I would, uh, I would do all, all sorts of things. I would, um, a lot, you know, I was friends with a lot of the other teachers. So a lot of times I would play hooky from whatever class I was supposed to, uh, be attending and then just go and hang out in another teacher's class that I was better friends with. So I would, um, mostly just socialize, honestly. That's what I would do.
8: You know what I'm wondering also now? What did you have any teachers tell you what you should do? You know, for your future, and did it ever include radio? I uh, I'm
1: trying to think. Well, I always had aspirations of doing something in the media, uh, whether it's radio, television, or film, and all the teachers that I had spoken to about it we're all very encouraging of that ambition no the only the only uh field that people ever uh, in uh, education that people ever encouraged me to pursue was politics you know i've had a lot of teachers that said oh i hope you run for office or i wish you'd run for office or please run for office that sort of a thing that's uh but that's yeah i don't remember anyone saying you should be a radio talk show host but when i said that i, I was aspiring to do that Everybody was, um, you know, everybody was certainly encouraging. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 9222 9222 Brian is in Denver, the Mile High City. Hello, Brian.
4: Hello, Frank. You should run for office. If um, if a district attorney or a judge has a relationship with a uh, uh, adult that's facing charges in their court or by their office, Is that illegal? And second part of the question, in an elimination match between Ronda Rousey, Tulsi Gabbard, and Nancy Mace, who would win? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Uh,
1: Well, So give me the three people in the elimination match.
4: Ronda Rousey, Tulsi Gabbard, and Representative Nancy Mace out of South Carolina.
1: Well, is Nancy Mace a, a fighter? She could take my butt. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I hear she went, she,
4: went, she went to the Citadel, I believe, and it has a military academy background.
1: Yeah, you know, I thanks, Brian. I think that um, I I think that I would put my money on Ronda Rousey. I mean, Ronda Rousey's tough. I mean, she was a UFC fighter and then a WWE uh, wrestler. She's very tough. So I would uh, absolutely uh, put my money on her. As far as your first question about if there's a relationship between the D.A. and the judge, they absolutely should recuse themselves from that sort of a case. And if there's proof of a relationship and then there's a criminal conviction, that creates an appellate issue. And I think there's a chance that you may see that if there's a conviction in this Manhattan case with uh, Donald Trump. The judge presiding over that case should absolutely, he has no business presiding over that case. He is conflicted out six ways from Sunday. There is no reason he should be presiding over that case. And if Trump ever is convicted on that case, I can see that conviction being thrown out because of Judge Mershon's refusal to recuse himself in that case. Uh, But ultimately, the decision to recuse is up to a judge. But if they don't recuse, you create an appellate issue. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Chris is in Beth Page. Hello, Chris.
6: Frank, Mr. Katsimatidis comes to you and says, I'm going to triple your salary. Mm. But you have to have a female co-host for four hours. You have to. That's what I want to do. Uh, Besides Tulsi Gabbard, which we're going nuts on tonight, who would that female co-host be for four hours?
1: Four hours every day, same co-host. Yes. Well, look, I'm quite fond of uh, Marlena Schiavo as a personality. I feel like we have a good kind of back and forth, and I feel like she would give me uh, enough. I feel like she's funny, well-versed on a lot of different subjects, and I feel like she would be uh present enough that uh, she can contribute to the show, but she wouldn't necessarily suck uh, a lot of the oxygen out of the room from me. who else? I mean, I think there's a lot of very good female uh radio people that um that would be very good co-hosts. I enjoyed uh working with uh Juliette Huddy for a year and a half or so i think uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, if I'm picking one, I'm picking, i picking Marlena Schiavo, who ironically will be here next hour as part of our, uh, Friday morning free-for-all panel. 800 848 Bob is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hello, Bob.
3: Uh, okay, uh, who would you have dinner with at a dinner party for, with three people from history?
1: Living, living or dead or only, uh, you know, uh, any era? Uh, no, I'm dead. Well, they have to be dead. Yes. Um dinner party. Okay. I'm picking Theodore Roosevelt. I'm picking um I'm picking Babe Ruth. And I'm picking uh, uh Well, I'm picking Jesus if Jesus is speaking English at that dinner party. If Jesus is coming to that dinner party, thinking that he can uh speak Aramaic then i I want an alternate pick if I'm only getting Aramaic speaking Jesus then uh, uh maybe I'm picking either um m- uh, maybe I'm picking Julius Caesar if Julius Caesar can learn English so but uh, but let me think with the English speaking though again Julius Caesar would probably show up trying to speak Latin uh so maybe Einstein maybe Einstein then although that's all twentieth century that's kind of it's kind of weird, all 20th century characters. Well, those are my three, for lack of a better, you know, unless Jesus can learn English. 800-848-9222, 800-848-92-22. Milton is in the Queens. Hello, Milton.
4: Hi. Uh, don't get offended, but when you were a kid, did the other kids call you Frank Moran rather than Frank Morano? <laughs>
1: I don't think so. I mean, uh, I, I'm i tr- I'm sure at some point in grade school, somebody had the bright idea to call me Frank Moron rather than Frank Morano. But I'm trying to remember, I would think a lot of the peers that I had in uh, elementary school at PS3, the place to be, were probably a bit more clever than that. Frank Moron. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's not that clever. So I'm trying to I don't remember anyone saying that, but. I am – I'm guessing that somebody probably said that along those lines. Uh, Hey, our friend Obi calling from Vermont. Hello, Obi. Frank, how you doing? Great. How are you? Great, great, great. That wasn't the question, though. (laughs) Uh, It's the easiest question I've gotten so far.
3: No question. Hey, when you do this Ask Frank Anything, when you go home and Rachel listens to it, does she have any follow-ups for you from time to time? And when you were dating, did she do that or anybody else in your your previous life or friends and stuff like, wait
1: a second, what? Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely on all counts. Now, I didn't do Ask Frank anything before I was married, but I did uh, talk about different things, uh, different aspects of my personal life, and that went over like a lead balloon. Now, sometimes I would do that strategically. If I was dating someone, I would kind of let out on the radio, what my likes and dislikes were hoping that they would take a, a, a clue. And a lot of times it worked. other times it, um, it did not go over well. If uh, different romantic partners felt that, uh, I was, and, and even Rachel's taken umbrage with this from time to time that I've given out uh, too much information that they felt was, uh, was personal only for them. But yes, Rachel frequently has follow ups to the Ask Frank anything uh portion of the show. And she knows there's always gonna be something good there. So a lot of times, even though she doesn't get to listen to the whole show, this is an hour that she tries never to miss. All right, wanna try and get we're trying to get to at least at least one more. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Let me say hello to Marie on Long Island. Hello, Marie.
6: Thank you for taking my call, Frank. Sure um on Long island there 's a lot of memorials, crosses where people have been killed unfortunately they 've died, and people out here it 's all over it 's all over the country actually, but they put and you have to drive by them every time you go to the store and they're like these big memorials, crosses, flowers, lights, candles um it kind of not bothers me, but my opinion on that we have cemeteries. I was wondering. How do you feel about it? I know it's a morbid topic, but it, it, it is and it's not. But death is a part of life. Huh. But I know they might have them in Staten Island in Manhattan. I know you come out to the island all the time. But and a lot of them are
1: Hispanic people out here. And, and, and hey, Marie, we're just, about, we're just about out of time, so Go I'm going to do the best that, we, that I can to answer your question. I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I actually like those roadside memorials because... I find that it can be a reminder to people to be a little bit more careful driving. And when you see these pictures surrounded by flowers of especially a young person that dies because of a vehicular accident, I think maybe it causes people not to drive recklessly. So I I like those roadside memorials. I do. Matt Blaze.
2: Gina in Brooklyn about playing hooky.
1: That was a good question. Gina, call back 800-848-9222, and we will give you a prize. I'm excited. We have Marlena Schiavo here, John McDonough, and Freddie Mertz. The M3 panel, M4 if you include me. This is The Other Side of Midnight, a midnight panel coming up in just a moment. In the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.
0: This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays, 77 WABC News starts now.
5: Good morning, I'm Bob Brown. Former President Trump is canceling Monday's planned press conference on the advice of his legal team. Trump had promised to present evidence that he said would exonerate him of... Criminal conspiracy charges in Georgia. Mayor Adams is calling on Governor Hochel to issue an executive order in response to the migrant crisis. Meantime, Nassau County is not planning to help with emergency shelters, with sites like the Nassau Coliseum floated as a migrant housing option. County Executive Bruce Blakeman once again says this is not a sanctuary county.
10: There is no plan for anywhere in Nassau County to house any migrants including, but not limited to, the Nassau Coliseum.
5: He said the county won't invite immigrants and migrants into the county from south of the border without proper vetting. Rush Hour subway service was delayed yesterday in Manhattan, while police responded to a dog on the tracks near 42nd and Grand Central. Police managed to get the dog safely off the tracks. Frank Murano and the other side of midnight up next on 77 WABC. Forecast in the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Overnight will have mostly cloudy skies, chance of showers and thunderstorms, humid lows in the lower 70s. Later today for your Friday, partly cloudy thunderstorms in the morning, then mostly sunny by the afternoon. Temperatures in the mid-80s. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC. Remember, the news never stops at WABCradio.com.
1: Good morrow, everyone. This is the other side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I am superstar Frank Morano. Now, I've been calling myself superstar because of my Bally's status and as a tribute to the late great superstar Billy Graham, who we lost recently. But the real superstars are the folks that fight for our country and wear the uniform of our country. And it breaks my heart whenever something bad happens to them. And that's why I just love the work that the Stephen Siller Tunnel to Towers Foundation does in getting mortgage-free homes for veterans' families that don't make it back and getting a lot of help, including smart homes for veterans that may come back with... Debilitating injuries, and pretty soon all of the WABC hosts are going to be launching a massive fundraising effort for the upcoming Tunnel to Towers race. Well, we're going to get a little bit of a head start on that this Saturday on Staten Island. I'm going to arrange a charity softball game with the proceeds going to benefit the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. If you want to come down, to watch the game, we're asking you to make a voluntary contribution of $10 or so. It's going to go to my team. Pretty soon, the uh, fundraising pages for all the hosts will be up at WABC Radio. Dot com, But you can just come to watch. It's in a pu- public park, Bloomingdale Park in Staten Island. And we could use a few players if you actually want to play. So if you do want to play, you can email me at frank.morano. That's frank.m-o-r-a-n-o at w-a-b-c-radio.com. I want to caution you, though. I am a mediocre softball player <laughs> at best. You should have absolutely very measured expectations we're going to talk with marlena Shivo, john mcdonough and former wabc radio talk show host freddie mertz in just a minute if you have questions you can give us a call 800-848-9222 we're going to call this frank moreno's free for all the phone calls will not be screened for content. We're just going to screen them for name and turning your radio off. So there's no telling what might happen over the course of the next hour. I'll see if any of these three guys want to play softball. Maybe I can recruit one of them for my team. Beam
0: me up! To
1: be continued. <laughs>
0: prayers, little one. Don't forget my son to include everyone. Well, this
1: is something Pat Boone doing Enter Sandman. Sand 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 I never thought I'd sand see sand the day. Well done, Mr. Matt Blaze. Well, welcome to this is the other side of midnight. Welcome to Frank Morano's Friday morning free for all. You know, back in the day. Uh, my friend Alan Combs, every Friday evening, he would assemble three great wits of, uh, varying perspectives, varying points of view on the world, and gather them together for an hour or two, and have them chew the fat on the, uh, on the news of the day or world affairs. And I thought that was fun. He would call it, uh, Friday night free for all. So we're not on at night, we're on in the morning. So we'll call it Friday morning free for all. And one of the things we're gonna do this hour, before I introduce you to our illustrious mid- Midnight panel, all of whom have been on the show before, all of whom are great, is throughout the hour. And this is going to become this is just music to the ears of Steve from Manhattan and the guy that uh, says Sid's a moron repeatedly. Throughout the hour, we are not going to screen the calls for content, so you can call in and just give your name, and we'll put you on the air. Whatever, whatever it is that you want to ask our illustrious panel. Let's say hello to our illustrious panel. Two people that uh, happen to be on this show one year ago today, and I didn't realize that until about an hour and a half ago, quite fortuitous that they're here once again. Veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic Marlena Shivo. Hello, Marlena.
12: Hello, Frank. And cab
1: driver, comic, playwright, and radio talk show host, John McDonough. Hello, John.
13: On our anniversary.
1: Happy anniversary <laughs> to both of you. <laughs> and uh, want to welcome as well, Freddie Mertz, a veteran radio... Radio talk show host who, among his many claims to fame, has Uh-oh. been heard on uh, a lot of the stations that we're being heard on right now. Not the least of which, of course, is uh, WABC. Hello, like Freddie.
7: Yes, hello there. All right. Well, almost it's... didn't make it up. That was a wild night we had down there, so, John and I. So, uh, fill me in. What happened? Did uh, you got stopped by security? Well, I got here first, which is very much unlike me, being a very time-challenged person. But you'd think, like, Marlena would get here first, but she didn't. She didn't. <laughs> and then uh, John got, so I was here first. Have to go to the bathroom profusely. Have to drive in a lot of construction, so I make it here. I'm parked a block away, so hopefully the car will not be stolen tonight. And I'm looking forward to coming in. The guard last time, very friendly. Come in. This guy made out like he didn't know there was a radio station. <laughs> Where's your building pass? And the guy's, the guy's T-shirt says, Smiley. All right, this guy has a right to wear a smiley like uh, you can fill in the sentence. There was no smile there. Then he threatens to call the police on me. Wow. And if you have, so I say I, the only number I have is the man on the air. Right. Call him. I said he's a one-man band. He's talking. He can't be texting to me. He's on the air right now. I have no other break in numbers. First of all, I appreciate that because I am amazed
1: at how often people who know I'm on the radio now will call me while I'm on the radio, and I'm thinking, well, what are they expecting me to just answer? <laughs> exactly. Now, the only person that I will answer their call when they call in is John there you and go. and that's happened <laughs> right when he calls when if uh, something if we're off the air or something, he'll call, and I will absolutely answer. you request the bumper song? Ex- Why is he calling exactly you? exactly?
13: Isn't part of being on W um, ABC being arrested. That's that's true. Uh, I, I that's just Following Curtis's so, footsteps,
7: right? So the guard downstairs, and I use the term loosely, was about to call the police on me because of my attitude. Does not believe I'm on the air because I would have a building pass if I was. And I said, "Well, I used to work for the station, two buildings and three buildings before, <laughs> three but not in this ago. building. Right? <laughs> a few other regimes ago, but not in this one." So then, thankfully, John comes in and gives me credibility. And this may be oh, <laughs>
12: wow, the you know, city really is going oh, down. Yeah. You see, I never
1: thought all this would when Kenneth <laughs> takes a day off, it collapses like a house of cards. That's what happens. You know, I guess uh nobody else knows how to enter people into the uh, visitor Maybe you system. You don't
12: know how to do Freaky Friday yeah, or could whatever be. you're calling right, exactly. this. Exactly.
1: Well, it's already a a free for all. All right. Uh, a lot I want to get to with you guys. But first, I want to get you to review something. Uh, we all know Vice President Mike Pence. He is uh, running for president now. It looks like he's made the debate stage for next week's debate. And uh, he's campaigning. He's staking it all on Iowa. He did something very unpence like yesterday. I think a lot of people know Pence as uh, kind of an intellectual sometimes, sometimes very much a social conservative guy, a religious guy. You don't think of Mike Pence as an impressionist. Well, yesterday, Mike Pence was on the campaign trail, and he did his best impersonation, I'm going to have you guys review it, of former President George W. Bush.
0: And I said,
3: thank you, Mr. President. He goes, I'd like you to see me as an encourager.
0: (laughs) I said, thanks. He said, I'd like you to leave here with some encouragement. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, Mr. President, you're standing here in the Oval Office with the leader of the free world. I'm encouraged. (laughs) Uh, Mike
1: Pence well, as an impressionist. What do we think?
12: Well, um I didn't think of him as an impressionist before and I still don't think of him as an impressionist. Um and is he allowed to even say Bush without his wife sitting there? <laughs>
7: And isn't that's the really word funny. enabler, not encourager? Yeah, well, it, it, George W. Bush has sort of his own
1: lexicon, oh, as we okay. know, right? Uh, so a thumbs down. I, I, I all go on?
13: with it because his other option is rapping to Eminem <laughs> if he wants to go viral. Right, so. was that,
1: um, that was Vivek Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy yeah, that did yeah, that? So, I, I mean, that's I his uh, other
13: option. I'd rather hear this than him rapping.
1: How was uh, Vivek's take on Eminem?
13: It's as good as anything else. I mean, these guys are all trying to do something that goes viral. And if you have to rap, do impressions, do handstands, used to be you had to do push-ups, you know, that's the way you do it. That's called the the media and getting onto these platforms and going viral. Hey,
1: speaking of the media, I uh, introduced you as a playwright, John McDonough. Your play, Off the Meter, has uh, some showings upcoming in the next month or so, right? Where is it showing?
13: I am going down to Belmar, New Jersey, to the the Friendly Sons of Shillelagh on September 24th, it's my play about driving a yellow cab for 40 years. It's a great joint. I was down there today. And my agent, Al Gonzalez, booked me in there, and we'll see what happens. We'll see who shows up. It's one of those things. you
1: know. So if people want to go, how can they see it?
13: Uh, OffTheMeter.net. Contact me through my email, and I will tell you how to get tickets.
1: At OffTheMeter.net. All right. I want to mix up kind of uh, some serious and not-so-serious subjects with all of you guys. Uh, let me begin uh, with... What everybody seems to be talking about the dueling banjos of investigations, you have a special counsel for Hunter Biden, special counsel for Joe Biden, special counsel for Donald Trump. I think if Andy Warhol were around today, he would say in the future, everyone will have a special counsel for 15 minutes. Uh, I get the sense that people are just so tired of all this stuff beyond the legal aspect of it, which you could certainly comment on wondering what you think of the kind of the political, the political implications of all these special counsels and all these investigations. What do you think, Freddie?
7: Oh, thanks for starting with me. Geez, no, 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 no. Louise. Well, what, what I find in people who may not know what I do or did or still do, it's like people want to engage me in an argument or a discussion about Biden versus Trump. And it's like you're supposed to like one and disdain, hate the other, support one and not. And why can't you simply not like either for different reasons, maybe some of the same reasons, um, and, and I would even add Obama as, as time goes on, as somebody who was on Obamacare, which which is remains hideous insurance. And the full story is not known not to get into that. But the thing is, you know, we often get the the least of what should be running or who should be running. So to answer your question, um, you know, I, Biden, to me, is a tragic character. And in some ways, Trump is as well. Imagine if you had Joe Biden. I mean, if you had Hunter Biden as his son. Okay, there's a saying I always get wrong about one child is the wonderful child, has their stuff together, they're your heart. The child who was totally uh, a screw up and and uh, whatever investments in other countries, a job he never should have had. Where was Obama, by the way, vetting all of this? A whole separate topic. But but what's that saying about one child, the wonderful child, Bo, in this case, who's no longer with us, who died very tragically, uh, but by all accounts, uh, I, I got got to interview, never met him in person. Very nice person, very good person. So he would be the heart, right? And the dysfunctional child is the soul. Uh, is, is that the saying? But that puts a bad image on soul. Well, unless you're talking about the sole of a shoe, right? Exactly uh... the point, sole man. So, yeah, it's like, how do you, why do you have to be in one corner versus the other? I'm disgusted by all. I think Trump should be in a jail cell. It's abhorrent what he did, and I know on this station I'd be in the minority, but uh, I don't find it amusing. I don't find it fun to kiss the bullies took us. Okay, this man did spur on the insurrection. And and yeah, some of the things I don't really care about the Stormy Daniels situation. I feel sorry for her. But yeah, what happened on 9 911? Uh I'm sorry, what happened 911? What what happened on the insurrection? I had the wrong date. Uh was was horrific. But uh but you can't look the other way at Hunter Biden, but you're supposed to you're supposed to be for one and against the right, other. So you're against everybody. You like groucho Marx. <laughs> Right? I, don't, I don't find anybody on that menu that I like. So who are you voting for? If it's a Trump-Biden rematch, what are you doing? You know, everybody I pick usually has a sex scandal. If you would ask me, who do I like? And I might even sure if this guy wants to be president. And you're going to probably laugh at me. I like Beto O'Rourke from down in El Paso. I like what he said, and I know if he runs again and I endorse him, there will be a major sex scandal. <laughs> well,
1: I, I can assure you, he definitely does want to be president. Uh, Marlena, dueling uh, dueling scandals here. What do you see as the political implications of this? The, the whole political
12: thing? Imp- implications that people are looking for somebody else. And I'll tell you, um, on the podcast with Cuomo, we had Kellyanne Conway. Now you would think that, and we had a ton of views. It's the most views we ever got since the podcast started.
1: For people that don't know, Marlena produces uh, Andrew Cuomo's podcast.
12: Yes, and so, um, uh, so I'm thinking it's Kellyanne that's the draw, and like we're getting thousands of hits on this one clip. The clip I, I, I named the clip uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie because those were the two things that they were talking about. It was a five minute clip. Every comment, not like the majority, every comment not about Cuomo, not about Kellyanne, nothing about Chris Christie, it was all Ramaswamy. I have to say I
1: find <laughs> this guy pretty appealing myself as well.
12: I a could... lot of people do and and um you know I don't object to that necessarily but it just goes to show you <laughs> that some they do not
1: Right, there's a thirst for something th- different. There
12: is definitely yeah. a thirst for something I, different.
1: I've said uh, John and I know you've uh, been a, a campaign manager for various third party candidates <laughs> before as have I. Um, I have said that with if it's a Trump Biden rematch, if a third party candidate can't make some some uh, some traction in that kind of an environment, then forget about it. It's all over. Then there will never be any viable third party candidate for president ever. Well, Frank, I have to open up
13: like one of your, of your frequent guests, uh, Alan Dershowitz. I did not vote for Trump in 16. 16- 20, nor will I vote for him in 24, because you have to open up with that, because if you say anything positive about him, right, then you're uh, or if you say anything negative about Biden, oh, you're a Trump supporter. No, I can hate both of them. At least now, as being on the left, I have an option now. In the Democratic primary, uh, JFK Jr., RFK. when he loses RFK. <laughs> yeah, oh Unless you're one of these QAnon well, people that thinks JFK <laughs> yeah, Jr. is right. still yeah. alive. And in, in the, When the main event comes up in November... I'll have Cornell West to vote for. So and I don't want to hear the argument that's taking away a vote from Biden. It's not. I wasn't voting for him in the first place. And most people that will be voting for Cornell West wouldn't be voting for Biden or Trump. So I'll have a choice. I know it's going to go nowhere, but it's going to be a protest vote. So I'll give it to Cornell West, and hopefully he'll be running on the Green Party.
1: All right, let me uh, ask, and we'll take your calls in a minute, 800-848-9222, 800 This really surprised me to some extent because uh, so much of what we've seen about young people these days is they're suffering from anxiety, they're suffering from depression, they're turning to things like opioids. Well, according to a, a new poll, more than half, and this is Gallup, More than half of young adults in this country see even moderate drinking, one or two drinks a day, as unhealthy. Now, it looks like Generation Z, their views on alcohol and even drugs to some extent have shifted rapidly. Uh, It's millennials, it's Generation Z, and Americans overall now see booze as more harmful than Marijuana and a record high 39% of Americans believe moderate drinking is detrimental to health. That's up 11 points since 2018. But this is all being driven by the young folks among 18 to 34 year olds. There was an 18 point jump in people that viewed alcohol negatively. That's the biggest among any age group. 50% of Americans polled said alcohol makes no difference for health and 10% said it's good for health. Uh, and women are more likely than men to perceive moderate drinking as unhealthy. I'm wondering—I'll begin with you, John—not to reinforce any Irish stereotypes, but uh, here we are. Why do you think young Americans, contrary to the stereotype of what we view as young people, why do you think they're turning against booze? Uh, this past Sunday,
13: I went out with my daughter. Lives in the story of Queens for brunch, and I—I I was shocked when I went in there that nobody was drinking. Back in my day, you picked the joint that was given unlimited mimosas or whatever it was you I were still, drinking. That's how I picked my <laughs> and, place. How about and, when we
12: went to the diner and they weren't serving alcohol? Oh yet? my that goodness! Was horrible. Yeah, you never seen in the
13: Back in the day, you would have had the New York Times, which you had to have a helper to bring it into the brunch place, and you were handing out sections and reading it. And you were drinking, and you were drunk by the end of the day, but you were well-educated by reading the paper. <laughs> Sounds like but, fun. But now, what, what I do think is they're turning away to drugs, because now you got all the weed shops, so they don't, don't necessarily have to drink all day. They can have a joint before they come in, or smoke, or an edible, or whatever they're doing these days, oh. and they're, they're going from drink to drugs. That's, they're just replacing one vice with another. I mean,
12: uh, you started with, um, Generation Z and I stopped listening because this is a generation who can't pick a pronoun. So what they have to say about alcohol that's been around forever to the point where there were speakeasies, that's how badly people wanted alcohol. Like, I don't really Even Jesus did
7: a fair amount of drinking if you read the, read the Bible.
12: Jesus turned himself in the alcohol, into alcohol apparently. <laughs>
7: <laughs> One of the biggest problems, though, is vaping. Not that it hybrids drinking and, and, you know, marijuana. I'm not offended by pot. I simply can't get high. Working in radio, I was always in a world of pot. Everybody smoked pot. Before I got into talk radio, I was a disc jockey. Everybody smoked pot. I had an ex-girlfriend who only wanted to get me high. And maybe because I hated regular cigarettes, which would still offend me, I just, I tried it. I could never get high. But vaping offends me. Vaping and people will take that last vape before they walk in somewhere, and then they want to blow it. And guess where it lands? It always finds me, and I am not happy about that. So the vaping really offends me. So I think that the vices are there, and maybe we're not acknowledging them.
12: But Smoke uh, finds you. Sex scandals find you.
7: Well, those are okay, the sex scandals. I'm waiting to be a part of one. 848 <laughs> 9222
1: Billy's in Florida. Billy, what's your question for our illustrious panel? Name that tune. I like this. <laughs> I'm not making out every every word. I'm not making out any word. Yeah, uh, Frank in Highlands. What instruments are you speaking to us in?
6: Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to speak in a language that everybody understands. Um, Good luck. Uh, My question uh, before was um, uh, in the quote, let's raise the standard by which the honest and the wise can repair. Why isn't it just the honest? And why is it? Why do you think it's not just the wise? Or just be
1: honest. Anybody want to tackle this one? This is—I'm not sure I even—I even fully grasp this one, Frank. We may have to, uh, bring, back we, we, we may have to bring back the bring back the 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 phone screening process. Uh, I, anybody want to weigh in on that? I'm not sure I I, I totally get it. I,
12: that that was a labyrinth of words. I don't know. I I got lost. I <laughs> need
7: to hear the question in Aramaic. <laughs> Janet, in honor of Mel Gibson. <laughs> Janet is in Manhattan. Hello, Janet.
8: Oh, hi. Yes, I have a question for John McDonough. John, um, did I miss it? Uh, did they ever play your story that you did for the Moth? It seems like you did it like a year ago, and I try to listen to that show pretty much every week, and I don't think I ever heard it. Did they play I, it?
13: I, I have it up on, on my Facebook, and it was a story about being picked to be on The Amazing Race, which ended in disaster, which always makes a good story, because if it went out and I won the million dollars, it wouldn't be a really good story. So it was about how I lost a million dollars on The Amazing Race. But if you go to my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I have, I have the video up of, of it. It was at the Music Hall in Williamsburg. It was a great, great night out. Uh,
1: John McDonough is here. Freddie Mertz is here. Marlena Schiavo is here. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, Frank Morano's Friday morning free for all. We'll continue with our panel and your calls in a moment. 800 848 Straight ahead. This is the other side of midnight. Uh, this is the, the great Frankie Valley singing Marlena. Uh, very appropriate because Marlena Shivo is here, veteran media producer, satirist and social critic, man who's no stranger to satire himself, John McDonough, cab driver, comic, playwright and radio talk show host, and Freddie Mertz, a veteran radio talk show host. And, uh, Freddie, do you make a, make a living in radio still these
7: days? Well, I don't know what living means. Uh, yeah. well, you have to you live like a camel with the humps. So I pay my bills? Yeah. Hey, thank you, Frank. Well, I haven't shown up at your door yet, Well, but I... I may be. But I may be doing <laughs> that. Don't encourage me. <laughs> I'm going to no, send no. you to the security. Well, guys. if you, you listen Midland to the Beach? hour
12: before, m- apparently he's not motivated by money. <laughs> well, so. yeah, I'm, I'm trying so to get don't, I don't think you should go to him alone. I'm for trying to get alone.
1: it's a labor of love. That's for sure. All right. I noticed you demurred on my answer there. That's okay. Let me begin by asking you well, guys about something. Something. Wait, let me
12: ask you something, though, about radio. Did you have, like, the, the type, like, do, did you have your name on everything? Like Like, Frank has his name on a pen. He has his name on a hat. He has his name on a jacket.
7: I didn't get into the merchandise back at the time. In Th- fact, I used to come in during the night, and this is true, I kind of dressed down, I came in one night, and somebody walked up to me and complained about the janitorial work, thinking I was on the staff of the, jan- <laughs> of the janitors, and I, had, I know I have to go on the air right now. So they didn't really know who I was. That's oh, very funny. You. That's it's very true. funny. You know, Michael Savage, uh, who is
1: very much a, a guy that would dress down for his radio show, he used to tell a story when he was doing a local show in San Francisco that he uh, came in to interview Pat Buchanan, and Pat Buchanan thought he was the the staff. There you and, go. And he, you know, didn't, and he treated him like the
7: staff. That was the STAP exactly, exactly.
12: Well, Freddie, this is my advice to you, though. If you decide to put your name on anything and you decide to sell it th- or give it out the way Frank does, I think you should call it Merchandise. Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, thank you. Thank, there you, thank go. you very much. I, oh, all right. Yeah. Quite a
1: suggestion. But all Frank
12: right. gives a lot of stuff away. If you can't sleep
7: during the night, which we probably, none of us can, and so when Frank has that contest at about, uh, what is that, 4.30 in the morning, this time zone, and someone's supposed to do the 10 trivia questions. (laughs) Nobody wins that, and Frank feels so bad. I, I mean, can he, he can get like the total moron coin. They get past two questions. The day of the week today is, but well, that's a hard one. Is today Friday <laughs> or Thursday? Trick question. So he gets the number two. You'll be getting a free hat. So Frank gives a lot of the profits away to his credit. <laughs> well, let me I'm ask uh, the three of
1: you uh, a serious question. <laughs> yes. This is a question, an issue that the the whole country seems to be dealing with, and a lot of cities, a lot of states are struggling with. And that's the migrant issue. New York City alone mm-hmm. has hundred thousand migrants. Other cities are dealing with. This, all the border states are dealing with this, but the, the phrase has kind of become now that, uh, every state is now a border state because this migrant problem appears to be multiplying. Um, what realistically can be done? What should be done? What is being done? What do you think of the people that are doing it? Whoever wants to comment first, please be my guest.
12: I, I mean, you know, I, I I'm shocked that, um, the Biden administration – well, I guess I'm not really shocked, but I think the Biden administration should really consider maybe even temporarily closing the border if they don't want – I know that's probably not the politically correct thing to do but for them, but I think that they should somehow close the border. It is overwhelming. Um, if I lived in – if I still lived in the city, I would be livid. Um Not that I ever want to pay Curtis Lewa a compliment ever, but, I mean, the fact that he was out in front of it um, – uh, it made sense you sh- it should be there should be a lot of attention on this and the whole hokel thing about her a year after the fact calling out mayor adams um saying that uh, or is saying that the new york city isn't doing enough for these people she's the governor of the entire state right you would never know it yeah. I, I mean it's it's like how could you ha- i don't understand how you can That's complain a great point. down like that you know and then yeah, so he
7: can know. make you take Adams side, and he's a total bungler of this, but the reality is, he is between a rock and a hard place. And oh, I'm no I great know. lover of Eric Adams, but he's not the bad guy here. The bad guy is a governor in Texas who's playing New York for a fool. And I believe there are laws being broken. We have brilliant legal minds here in New York. Some come on this radio station. But instead of playing the politics, why aren't we suing Texas or, frankly, the federal government? They're transporting all of these migrants across state lines. And so Texas is actually giving them sanctuary but for a moment. The, the yeah. I
1: think the 2,000 or so migrants that are coming here a week... I don't think most of them are being shipped here by Texas or, or Florida. I think most of them are being given bus tickets by aid groups to go wherever they want to go. And oh, I don't a lot think of them so.
7: are choosing to come to New York. I think someone needs to go down and check out social media in all of these countries. And I really believe that uh, there are some people motivating this massive migration to come here to make. A political side looked bad, but New York. But taking the politics out, New York is being played for the fool. But let me ask you about To over a hundred thousand right? migrants, innocent, mostly, I would say the majority of these people, the salt of the earth, and they're being motivated to come Let's here.
1: Let's say, um, and I do think it's a lot of it's Catholic charities and a lot of these nonprofit groups that are um, are bussing these folks to New York. But according to what they've said, the migrants themselves to to the papers, they want to come to New York. Um, But the, the issue, let's say it is the governor of Texas, for instance. The voters of the governor of Texas made votes for a strong border and for candidates that wanted stricter border enforcement. Can you understand why a lot of their politicians would be sour that they're now being forced to bear the brunt of the way New Yorkers and New Jerseyans and you know folks in blue states voted? Why shouldn't the blue state folks have to bear some of the same implications of how they actually voted?
7: I just don't see it as being a blue state or a red state issue. These migrants should not be ending up in New York. And does a sanctuary city mean that it's a sanctuary city for those who are here? Sanctuary city was supposed to be, ironically, a way to protect yourself or be protected from the federal government. Mm. The federal government's coming to deport you. You go into a church, let's say, somewhere in New York and New Jersey. This was a big story in a small town outside New Brunswick where there was a church that was taking in migrants. Well, not sorry, I'm sorry. These were like the Dreamers or people who were here, and maybe they had, I don't know, a parking ticket. They were going to be deported for really no reason, and they'd go into this church. And the, the argument was it was a sanctuary from what the federal government was trying to do. Somehow this term sanctuary city, sanctuary state, has been totally yeah. misaligned.
12: Well, sh- sanctuary state is really what it comes down to. So, you know, everyone is focused on New York and what Mayor Adams is doing. What I said before, it's a sanctuary state and Governor Hokel hasn't really done anything. Although, did you see the? I'm sure you did see that she's. She came to an agreement to take 1,200 migrant families and disperse them throughout upstate New York. 1,200 out of a hundred thousand. Right. right. I That'll it, really help. That alone, like, it should is is so embarrassing.
7: Migrants do the Catskills. We have to build some bungalows up there. There's a casino coming. <laughs> no,
12: like, and now and then and then um, they're going to use City Field. They're they're going to have what big. Big big cargo, freight. It's so
7: fitting for the Mets. You know what I mean? They <laughs> may my even pitch. get a picture. might And it is. John McDonough. I'm
13: sorry. Well, I, I take it. This Biden policy has condemned this wave of immigration to destitution. I, I'll just give you firsthand experience. My mother and father came from Ireland. They went to Belfast to apply to immigrate here. They had to have a sponsor. My father is off the boat, which is a term you don't hear anymore, He was picked up on the west side of Manhattan, brought to Jackson Heights. And because he was legal, he was able to get a job with Con Edison. This wave of immigration, they're condemned to working in the underground. It's going to take their children to get into the system. So they're going to be exploited. If anybody's gotten off the BQE at 69th Street and Roosevelt Avenue, every morning at 6 in the morning, you'll see hundreds of people ready to be exploited where these construction vans are pulling up. They'll point to two or three guys. They jump in and they're paying them $50 a day and to do dangerous work, and then they're dropped off. So the Biden administration is forcing these migrants to cross through jungles, to cross through the border, to get up to New York, and then they say, you know what, you can't work. Go to the underground economy. This is a disaster on so many levels. If they can only be made legal, at least they have some protections. But the way it is now, whatever the millions came in, they're condemned to a life of poverty. That's it. They're finished until their kids can get an education. So
1: your, your view would be that they should be given the permission, as Mayor Adams has said, to work in the state and the, the city but legally. But they should get it in the country they want to apply, and not apply for
13: asylum. That's all BS. They're not, they're, they're not asylum seekers. They're looking for work, and there is work here to be had. And if they can come in and get the work legally, right away they're part of the system. They can get a union job. They can take tests. Right now, they can't do it. They're going to be stunk on 69th and Roosevelt Avenue praying for a construction job.
1: A few of you have uh, referenced Mayor Adams. Yesterday, Mayor Adams took a break from comparing himself to Jesus. He instead uh, cho- took the opportunity to compare himself to another uh, leader. Listen what he said.
7: We cannot only worship Gandhi. We must practice Gandhi. We need to be Gandhi-like, and we need to continue the steps that he started. If we don't continue the steps... Then the bullet took away the dream and the vision of Gandhi. Dr. King continued those steps. We must continue those steps. So I'm Gandhi-like. I think like Gandhi. I act
12: like Gandhi. I want to be like Gandhi. I'm going to put Gandilas in the East River.
7: Oh, you know Gandhi and you know Dr. King. Uh, Gandhi. Um, it's nice right, having Gandhi as a man. This condemn
13: the left, particularly on this. And, and and Curtis, I've heard him playing it when he was said he was appointed by God to be the mayor of New York. This is crazy talk. If the left, when when the 700 Club was on, Jimmy Swaggart and Pat Robinson saying they were anointed by God to do what it is, to send them money, they were condemned. When Mike Pence says I can't be in the room with, with a woman, the left condemned them. Adams is making these crazy statements. There's no way. You listen to NPR, even my own BAI. You never said. I just heard a crazy man talk that somebody spoke to him in a dream and said that he should be mayor, and now he wants to be Gandhi. I mean, this is crazy talk. He should be on the 700 Club,
12: <laughs> not the mayor of New York. <laughs> well, I'm sure that he's a one-term mayor at this point. Are I you? Get... Really? I, I It's actually... pretty rare pretty rare I, I don't know I don't I you know he cuz I agree with him he sounds like a nut job and um this is the way and, and this is different because this he was a a, a broadcaster or still is really as a radio guy uh Glenn Beck he thought he was a prophet and he started oh, talking please. like that and let me tell you he you, no one talks about Glenn Beck anymore really That's he did true. he used yeah. to have he used to right. be way more famous yeah he I,
7: was Tuckerish before Tucker was Tucker kind well, He has of, no pulpit yeah. though in this market Which I think is great. But anyway, but you know, you have have to be a nut to be the mayor. I mean, if if Curtis and I and I admire Curtis, he's qualified. If Curtis became the mayor, okay, he'd have to take some of his showbiz and channel that. And the reality is, I don't know what Curtis would do with all of these migrants coming in. I can well, tell what you, he though, do?
1: he wouldn't be claiming that God predicted that he would get elected. I mean, maybe that's why Curtis is not to impersonate elect- God. Did.
13: Yeah, that's but not much of we know. When, when God yeah. tells you what to do, then you're not doing anything wrong. So right. you don't even question yourself. You say, no matter what I'm doing, God told me to do it. This is crazy.
1: God is telling me to uh, take this call from Bob in Washington. Hello, Bob. All right. How about William in Connecticut? Hello, William. William?
3: Hey, you guys. Good morning. Morning. Um, where's, where's the disconnect on the illegal part? And I don't know who that gentleman is that's on the panel with you,
11: but. Neither do
1: ready. I. The no wonder security viewed him with uh, <laughs> jaundiced eyes. Yes.
7: <laughs> Just before um, the police came, that's true.
3: <laughs> I guess it's very up this early, but anyway. Oh, um. Where is the disconnect about the illegality of this? And say you had a sewer pipe that's erupting. Would you leave it alone for two years and just let it flow into into the streets? So uh,
1: help me the disconnect. Excellent, excellent question, uh, William. How about that, Freddie? We well, agree that sewer with him. pipe. And, and, alone? and
7: that's part of the point. We have brilliant legal minds here. And while I disdain most lawyers that I know, including the relative that I had was a lawyer, a divorce lawyer, but uh, in any event... We have brilliant, brilliant legal minds here, and yes, there is illegality, like he said. And while the majority, if not almost all, of these migrants, I believe, are the salt of the earth, I don't believe they're part of the El Chapo gang. They want to work, um, but do they all need to be here? Should they be coming in such a disorganized fashion? There was somebody at the Midland uh, Beach protest. Um, I think the name was Sinclair, and I think you were there. And Channel Seven had him on. I was not there, and he had one of the most poignant, you know, mantras that his mom. Before she died, 10 years earlier, was in the nursing home that's now abandoned there that stands to be a migrant uh, chalet if it's not stopped. And he was saying he's not against the immigration. He descends from immigrants, migrants, whatever. But you have to have this in an orderly, legal fashion. And I agree with that last caller. There's no vetting going on, and that's the point. It should not be legal for these buses to come unannounced, middle of the night, whenever they're coming. They're crossing at least 12, 13 states to get here. How is this legal?
12: Right.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I don't think you're going to get an
13: argument from anybody here. But by them being illegal, it forces them into the underground economy. Look at the stories about Roosevelt, the women of being forced into into brothels, and and they're forced into – you talk about drug dealing. These are the opportunities that are open. If they were legal, they could get regular jobs. Uh,
1: All uh, right, I have to ask you guys about this because I am one of the few people – I don't know if anybody in this room is on the same page as me, but I am one of the few people that still gets the – Netflix DVDs in the mail right I have 3 <laughs> Netflix DVDs at home right now and ultimately in my queue there's about uh, I don't know I think I have about 300 movies in my queue The unfortunate thing for me is this service is ending September 29th. So I have no time to watch movies and I am just sweating out this September 29th deadline and trying to get as many of these films watched as possible because I know I'm never going to get to everything on my queue. Well, Netflix has one last surprise in store for people like me. They are telling their members that they will send up to 10 extra discs before they end the 25-year-old subscription service for good. Uh, They posted this email to Reddit, and they're telling customers it's sending out these extra discs on September 29th, the final shipment date for the service. Users will just have to click the link included in the email to opt in, which I certainly plan on doing. Where do you guys come down on Netflix ending this DVD mail-in service? And what do you think of this kind of goodie they're giving people like me?
13: It, it, it was bound to happen. It's gone the way of the cassette, the A-track. I mean, the only way they can make this popular is they got to send a DVD player with the DVDs. Right. I know. Oh, Who a player now anymore? Right. The laptops, unless you don't. have the boom box, uh, unless you have your yeah. cassette player, and you're going old school – This is
7: ridiculous. Why
12: can't you just download Netflix? Well, I have it, but not all the movies that are
7: on DVD are on streaming. Right. I have a dumb question. Do you have to give back these discs? Or I can don't, you keep I, That's them?
1: what's not clear to me. I think you keep them. If they come to
7: the house, there's no more Netflix <laughs> flick service, DVD, but you owe, us, you owe us all these discs. <laughs> right, you owe yeah. us uh, that, you know, know, library Toxic po- Avenger. You'll be coming
13: knocking on your door. Exactly. exactly. Are you home?
7: Um, but isn't it a
1: shame that Netflix is ending this service? I mean, why? Why are they ending? They still make at least a little bit of money. from you know iron- one. Yeah.
7: You know what the irony is? Blockbuster. I think there's still one blockbuster. I that's think there's right. There's one, one particular uh, franchisee. did not want to give it up. But the one genre of movie... That will still be available in your old school way or in in-kind blockbusters is, you know what the genre Pornography. is, porn. Yeah. They will still send discs to you, Frank, if you want it in that format. 800-848-9222. John McDonough is here.
1: Freddie Mertz is here. Marlena Schiavo is here. We'll continue straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, we have sought for the last hour to assemble three very interesting people, and uh, I think we've delivered on that in spades. And uh, we have Marlena Schibo in here, John McDonough, and Freddie Mertz for uh, another 13 minutes or so. We're going to add your phone calls to the mix at eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two. To, uh, but I think we, we've all spoken a lot about so-called cancel culture. I don't even like the term cancel culture, but it's one of those things you have to use it because everyone knows what you mean when you use it. Well, now, the creator of Father Ted... Graham Linehan says he's considering taking legal action against the Edinburgh Fringe Festival venue. as a sold-out show he was due to take part in was abruptly canceled after the venue took issue with his views. The 55-year-old comedy writer shot to fame 25 years ago with the creation of the iconic show Father Ted. And he went on to create the hit comedy series Black Books and the It Crowd John McDonough, why is uh, Graham Linehan being canceled?
13: This is so bizarre because I I have a lot of friends that go over that. And I think the the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is just crazy. People paying publicists over there, getting posters printed up and handing out leaflets. It was set up to be an alternative to mainstream theater, be a fringe festival, to bring on something that's edgy. Here he is. He's a comedian. And and one of the excuses they made at, at the place he was going to do his comedy was... Some of the staff didn't feel comfortable with him going there because he supported J.K. Rawlings. Oh, and because she's she's anti-transphobic. So you don't feel comfortable, so i got to cancel the guy. The guy that takes tickets, the guy that hands me the playbill as I go down to my seat, he's now going to dictate the comedy that I can go see. This is a disgrace with the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I mean, their very being is to have people exactly like him that's probably being banned from all over the place. You figure the one refuge he would have at the, the greatest fringe festival in the world in Edinburgh.
1: Uh, Marlena, you, uh, have been described as fringe by some. You performed at a comedy, uh, a comedy festival or two in your day. What's your opinion of, uh, Graham Linehan being canceled here?
12: I, I, I'm against all cancel culture. I just think it's completely out of control. And, um, I even think that the J.K. Rowling thing is the most absurd thing I've heard in, in a, Amongst everything else. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just like absurd is the new norm, I think. So I, I don't know. Everybody's yeah, d- Don't even like it. Never mind support.
13: You hit that heart. You're finished. Oh,
12: <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I know. That heart. <laughs> the like button. Shaped like a well, heart. You
7: know. Freddie yeah, no. I'm still trying to find the heart. Where's my heart button? Uh, I want to make a comment. The heart's not good enough for me. But, you know, cancel culture really has no rhyme or reason. And I think back to Roseanne sitting in her basement in Salt Lake City somewhere. Here's a Jew in Salt Lake City, and you want to know why she's dysfunctional? And chain-smoking <laughs> and getting old. And she made some comment about, uh, what, Valerie Jarrett, who the taxpayers paid to be in the Obama White House for eight years, I guess as a lobbyist uh, clearinghouse. And she made some comment that she looks like, I don't know what, a monkey or whatever, and she, and Roseanne immediately apologized and said she was stupid, and Valerie Jarrett didn't forgive her, and Roseanne was canceled. Is she even getting residuals? Even pre writer strike from Roseanne 1, Roseanne 2, and, and it's like, so the cancel culture seems to have back to the heart. There is no heart or no rhyme or reason. People did much worse who was still working, and Roseanne immediately said she was wrong. I learned, and we should all learn, don't be sending out tweets or X's or anything at 3 in the morning uh, anywhere.
1: Yeah, and now, and yeah. let me tell you, Lisa is in Brooklyn. Lisa, what's on your mind? Lisa all right audrey's also in brooklyn hello audrey
8: yes i am and first of all great show i'm doing laundry and i'm loving every moment of it i to be up early but i have a question to um anyone that want to answer in- instead of um like bickering about the um i i don't want to call it immigrants, the people that transferred over here and want a life sanctuary started in the church in 1980s, and each governor of the state says sanctuary we should be writing to them and, and having them change the laws because 2017, Andrew you know, Cuomo started this here. So why can't we do that? You think that's a good idea? Because we've got more important stuff to do, and I'm
4: getting old. Well,
1: so Audrey, I'm not, I'm not sure, I, uh, I'm not sure I, I follow what you're suggesting, cool. that they should just change the sanctuary status of these states that have it, the 11 states?
8: No, the people, the city and state, like, okay, New York, instead of complaining about Eric Adams and whatever, Um, Write to your council person, write to the governor, and ask her to change the law, because she's the only one that can do it. Or, you know, just put pressure on her. Because I don't think that we should be wasting time on this, because the election is coming up right now. Yeah, yeah, thank uh, you. If you run, I'll I'll vote
1: for you. But I'm not... thanks, Audrey. I'm not running. Don't worry. But um, the... um, I mean, Adams brings up a point about the amount of money New York taxpayers are spending on this. And, you know, it's not even even the sanctuary city status that's the big, uh, you know, problem with This It's the right to shelter law, which the courts are interpreting as having to house everybody that comes here from anywhere in the world, apparently, which Adams, I think, to his credit, is now trying to uh, to change. But we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe.
11: Yeah. You
6: know, one of the things that with the Creedmoor situation uh, right across the street are softball fields, soccer fields and a tennis center. And right next to that is the beginning of the old Vanderbilt Highway, where a lot of people like to either run or walk. You know, they're surrounded by trees, they don't, don't have to worry about traffic. So this to me is an encroachment on people's go-to recreational areas. I mean, there's there's young women running there, they're trying to run fast. And, or, or walking with their friends. All right. But
1: well, yeah, I, 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 again, I don't want to turn this into a migrant gripe session because we only have four hours. But anyone want to uh, throw in a quick reaction to, uh, to what Joe had to say there?
12: No, no? I agree with him. I mean, you know, it's, it's bad enough <laughs> as far as women go, what he's saying. I mean, like, it's bad enough they have to walk faster, run past construction workers. And now it's like a whole team of, like, no. people, um, just doing nothing all day long. But letting encroachment on recreation. How about encroachment on schools? I mean it it, it, it yeah, um. and
7: it's almost like it was set up to never happen, and by the way, who the heck wants this in their backyard, their front yard? There's probably some depraved upstate community poor upstate gets picked on that maybe would welcome this or welcome a privatized prison, who knows what, and again, not to pick on the migrants, but I don't like the way the sleight of hand, the way it's being you know snuck in there, you know, and sick why can't on people? they go to
12: the open fields of Kansas or something where there's lots of space and they can set up all of these. That's a
7: red state? Excuse us. I don't want the politics there. But they showed a picture of all the cots at Creedmoor set up, and I'm just trying to think. The feet of the person in one cot would hit the head of the next person, yeah. nobody no, could sleep in those cots. The uh, Governor of
1: uh, Kansas is a Democrat though i 'll just point out no, but okay, right, um, I, I want to ask all three of you about this because I think this is interesting, and I have a very good relationship with all of our neighbors. basically, every day is a uh, a block party on our block it 's a fun block to be on, and there 's new data that shows that fewer and fewer Americans know their neighbors, and they 're saying that this lack of social connections is linked to poor mental health and premature death all three of you do you guys have a relationship with your neighbors and do you buy the studies that are suggesting that loneliness and the lack of social connection could be as bad for your health as cigarette smoking wow
12: well i don't know about cigarette (laughs) smoking um but i think that um the Connecting with people is definitely uh, better for your mental health. You get
1: along with all your neighbors, right?
12: I do. I do. I do. Yes. When I first got there, though, moving from the city to here, people were waving and saying hello, and I didn't know who they were. It took me, I kid you not, two years to say in my head, remember to smile and say hello.
7: <laughs> Did they know you? <laughs>
12: No, it's oh, just like okay. they, they, it they, they were May just May neighborly. And in, Kate
1: May, you, you have to kind of brace yourself. You're walking around. Uh, good, goes, morning. Hey, good morning. Good oh, morning. What is this guy saying? Good yeah, morning like why for? are you What's talking to pra- me? Then after two days you get acclimated. After a while. <laughs> two days, well,
12: it was about two years. Um But yeah, now I do. I do. And It makes for a, a better living situation. You know, mm. um, we because now it's, it feels more like a community. I, I, I don't know if not talking to them would, you know turn me into someone, the equivalent of someone who smokes a pack a day, (laughs) like in terms of my health. But yeah, I I would, (laughs) would imagine that living in a friendlier place, um, is definitely better. I want to be
7: on, I want to be on Marlena's block. (laughs) (laughs) Freddie, what's, uh, what's your story? You talk to your neighbors? Uh, you know what? I try to avoid them. Um, I have some pretty surly, I I gotta be honest. I talk to everybody, but the block I'm on, I gotta tell you, you would not want those neighbors there's a whole backstory I will tell you about off the air. I feel like it's witness wow. protection. Uh, but I am somebody who will talk to almost everybody, and yet I try to avoid my neighbors. You are a fascinating character, Freddie <laughs> And
1: There's not a lot of people that when uh, John McDonough oh. is sitting next to them that talk I say John. that to. John McDonough, well, uh, I can see you uh, talking to your You're neighbors, talking. working to everybody into a I, I, frenzy I, 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 over you know some is, sanitation Frank. issue or something.
13: I, I don't hang out. I, I give the odd nod <laughs> to the thing. I, I live in Middle Village, Bob Holden country, Right. And it's immigrants that live living out. So they speak either Russian, Polish, a lot of Dominican Republic. The guy that runs the bodega, he's from India, Punjabi. I, I just don't mix in that. And I, you just give the odd wave to them. And you're so busy. When you're running out of the house, you're not sitting there doing chit-chat. You, at 2 in the morning, I'm coming here. Come on, man. I can't. I'm not standing uh, around waving.
12: So I have uh, – there's a – families right that i socialize with and but i have one guy that's right next to me who's probably pushing 80 right but he still works and he's like you would love him he works at like the racetrack and he's oh, cool yeah i do uh, like him already yeah that's why and, you'd and, like him. and you yeah. would probably talk to him for hours on end um and but i but unfortunately um when i see him and i'm m- usually in a rush and he doesn't ha- pick up on that. He's like, Hey. And I'm, I was like, no, I'm always like, I gotta, and, and, and I don't want to be rude because you want to be neighborly, but at the same time, it's like, I gotta go. I gotta go. And he's like, so how about that thing? And this other thing? And what about this other? And I'm like, I have an appointment. I have really have to go. There so. are
1: people that work here that do that. That you were you clearly trying to get work done, oh, and yeah. they love oh. to chit chat. And like they don't, you don't have a care in the world. Just because you're not busy doesn't mean I'm not busy. Right. Uh, John McDonough, tell us again how we can see off the meter when it comes to Belmont. My
13: play about driving a yellow cab in New York City for the last forty years will be going to Belmont, New Jersey, on September twenty fourth at the Friendly Sons of Shillelagh. A great joint down in Belmar. I'll be there on September 24th. you want to find out about tickets, go to offthemeter.net, and I will direct you to my agent, Al Gonzalez, and you'll be taken care of, and I'll be telling you stories about how New York used to be in the
1: 70s and 80s. It's like it again. All right. Freddie Mertz, John McDonough, Marlena Shivo. thank you all. Let's do this again soon. I'll see you guys in a year. Keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Traditionally, we begin 75% of our hours with Enter Sandman by Metallica. Matt Blaze had the idea, I'll let you be the judge as to whether it's a good one or not, uh, to start each hour on Fridays with different versions of Enter Sandman. I have to confess that I had no idea there were this many versions Of Enter Sandman out there, but sure enough, apparently they are. Matt Blaze, who is this that we're listening to?
2: So, this is from the Pickin' On series featuring Iron Horse, is what it is labeled as. So, but what is who is the artist here? Iron Horse. Iron Horse, okay. Yeah, and believe it. So, we played three tonight. I have at least, I think, six more, and that's not even all of them. So I saw that, um, you know, n- not
1: to be too inside baseball here. And, and by the way, people can join the Facebook group if they want to tell us if they like this Matt Blaze innovation. You can go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano or just search Morano Radio fans and haters on Facebook. Also looking for a few good softball players tomorrow. So if you're a decent softball player, feel free to join. But um, the uh, I-, I saw this email yesterday that a um, program director sent out. Saying that we're getting, we're taking a pause on acquiring any new music. Is that accurate?
2: Did you uh, see that? I have not seen. You have that not either. seen that. I did not get okay, that
1: one. I'll take, we'll take a look at that. And uh, all right, so I can't ask you about it because you have not seen it. So uh, so be it. Is it your understanding that we have a, a
2: post show meeting today? There is no meeting that I know of since uh i haven't found out about anyone so i want to all assume right, there is none well,
1: well let's get out of here but, quickly before people decide to have it but,
2: but if that's the email about no, that we're pausing on music and i guess that's it well it's a pause it's not a stoppage right. it's a pause they have to get caught up with things they say and you know it's a
1: valid valid um you know uh email they said there's fifteen thousand songs in our library yes play these for now. <laughs> yes. don't keep asking for new music i can't yes. begrudge them for that all right um without further ado that's for you, Sean Enright. He loves when I say it, without further ado. Without further ado, there are a few people, entities, places, things that need to be denounced. Welcome to this week's edition of... The Other Side of
0: Midnight presents Denunciation.
1: I must begin by denouncing the people in Pakistan that think it's a good idea to burn churches and homes to the ground. I understand Muslims being upset about uh, desecrating the Quran. Uh, That's a terrible thing to do. I do not understand thinking that the appropriate reaction to desecration of the Quran is to burn the churches and homes of random Christians. And yet, sure enough, a, that is apparently what is going on in Pakistan. A Christian community in Pakistan has found itself under attack as a Muslim mob reportedly vandalized churches, torched homes, and burned Bibles after two, count them, two Christians were accused of blasphemy. At least two churches were vandalized. One was burned in Jaranwala a largely Christian area in the Faisalabad district in eastern Pakistan. In addition to the mob armed with rocks and sticks attacking places of worship, at least one home was demolished while several others were vandalized, though some reports say more churches were damaged. A lot of Christians were forced to flee their homes for safety. I find this just abominable. And if you are part of a mob, Muslim or otherwise, that would that thinks it's appropriate to vandalize churches and torch homes, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the New York City Department of Finance. Uh, You may not know this. Uh, I know this department very well because I have uh, paid them a lot of money in parking tickets over the years. But the City Department of Finance inadvertently emailed a roster of all its staff, containing home addresses, mobile phone numbers, and personal email addresses to all 1,800 of their employees. Can you imagine? In a botched test of their emergency notification system, they sent everyone's home address and phone number to all 1,800 employees. I mean, heaven forbid you have an interoffice stalker. This was their lucky day. New York City Department of Finance, for all the money that I have given you in parking tickets over the years, you could certainly afford more competent people than this. New York City Department of Finance, I do denounce you. I must also denounce YouTube. YouTube has been exploiting and tracking children. YouTube, which is owned by Google, is placing ad-targeting cookies and identifiers on uh, the devices of viewers who are watching made-for-kids videos. In addition, the company is putting adult ad content in channels targeted at children. So um, this is totally unacceptable for a, a, a company to do this, and Congress has... An obligation, in my view, to regulate this. And these big tech companies, as far as I'm concerned, need to be held accountable. And it's time for Congress to stand up and say that these giant corporations cannot break the rules again and again without facing consequences. And exploiting children should be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So YouTube, for tracking and exploiting children... I do denounce you. I must also denounce Osvaldo Sanchez, a 61-year-old Florida man. Why is it always the Florida men To think we have at least three of them running for president, nah, it doesn't bode well for the country. A Florida man posed as a licensed veterinarian gets worse. This Florida man posed as a licensed veterinarian and actually went so far as to operate on a pregnant dog that died days later due to complications from the botched surgery. This person has been arrested and charged with animal animal abuse and practicing veterinary medicine without a license following the death of this six-pound chihuahua named Sugar. Sugar was having difficulty delivering her puppies, so her owners reached out to Sanchez, a licensed pet groomer, groomer, who had been previously introduced to the owners as a vet. The fake vet came to their home to examine their six-year-old dog. He took her to his mobile office, which was a converted ambulance, where he performed a C-section and spay operation. Sanchez removed a stillborn puppy from Sugar's wound, then closed her up and charged the family $600. However, Sugar quickly developed an infection and grew seriously ill, and she spent the next week in the care of an actual veterinarian, but couldn't be saved. Let me tell you something. I mean, look, shame on the family for not picking a licensed veterinarian. However, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Check the guy's diploma? Chances are somebody tells you this person's a vet. I'm taking their word for it most of the time. Chances are somebody tells you this person's a doctor. You're taking their word for it. I think this is abominable. This guy, they ought to throw the book at this guy for this 6-year-old dog to die because this guy wanted to make a quick 600 bucks. Shame on you, Orlando. I do denounce you. I must also denounce the people who posted the names and addresses of the Georgia grand jurors online. You would think these people worked at the New York City Department of Finance. But sure enough, the names and addresses of the members of the grand jury that indicted Donald Trump and 18 of his co-defendants has been posted on a website that features pretty frequently... Very heated rhetoric. And um this is just terrible. There are so many lunatics out there posting the names and addresses of these people in a case that's this hyperbolic and sensitive and polarizing. It's going to get somebody hurt. So I hope they find whoever did this and hold them accountable. But if you think it's okay, or if you did, post the addresses of any of these grand jurors, I do denounce you. I must denounce the embattled head of the Maui Emergency Management Agency, Herman Ndia. I have been critical of the emergency response from Hawaii all week long. And it's clear to me that the Maui Emergency Management Agency botched this six ways from Sunday. They had sirens to warn people that weren't used. They had an emergency alert system, uh, to notify people by mobile phone that wasn't used. And Herman Andaya did an absolutely abominable job, which would be reason enough for a denunciation. However, he resigned. Yesterday, he announced in a press release that he's resigning. I think that's good. That's appropriate measure. Maybe he can go open up a consulting firm with uh the uh Mr. Brown from FEMA, Michael Brown. The former administrator or soon to be former administrator said that he was resigning due to health reasons. Now, come on. Come on. Of course... This was not due to health reasons. This was due to him being so incompetent that he was not going to be able to stay in his job. I would have more respect for this guy if he were to just say, look, I can't in good conscience stay in my position given the suffering that took place on my watch. And that should be it. He's making up health reasons. Come on. I don't I don't buy that he has health reasons for a second. Health reasons just came out, out just days after he managed the worst response possible to the deadliest wildfire that we've seen in 100 years. Give me a break. I am uh, going to be forced to denounce New Mexico. On Monday, Wallet Hub published its listing of the best states to live in using five key factors in ranking each Of the 50 states, affordability, economy, education and health, quality of life and safety. And they found that New Mexico is dead last. Apparently, it is the worst state in the whole country to live in. New Mexico, I do denounce you. And this is the two year anniversary of the. Taliban taking power in Afghanistan again. And uh, we had heard two years ago that this new Taliban was going to be a reformed Taliban, a more enlightened Taliban, a nicer Taliban, a kinder, gentler Islamic fundamentalist group. Well, more than 30 independent U.N. human rights observers have called for the international community to recommit to support the people of Pakistan, excuse me, of Afghanistan, marking the two-year anniversary since the Taliban takeover. The Taliban takeover, according to the experts, has been marked by segregation, marginalization, persecution, sexism, reprisals, and just human rights violations of every possible variety and uh this is if this is a kinder gentler taliban i'd hate to think what they they do if they were being mean taliban i do denounce you i must also denounce shawnee oklahoma i'm a i like pickleball i like pickleball as much as the next guy i don't play it as often as i do say ping pong but it's a fun game to play mighty pl- proud to play it sure i'm a pickleball player mighty proud to play it and shawnee oklahoma unveiled a brand new Three million dollar pickleball park. Now, what do you think of that? That's, that's fun. And yet they spent all this money and all this time, but the pickleball courts that they built are too small. The, this court opened in June and now the city says they need to redo them. You want to talk about a serve and a miss? This is the biggest mess you've ever seen in your life. So uh, this $3 million pickleball project is a giant waste. The pickleball courts are too small. Shawnee, Oklahoma, especially the Division of Parks that uh, was responsible for this, I do denounce you. And finally, I must denounce the city of Chicago, Illinois. I, you know, I didn't mean to denounce so many geographic locations. I, I usually like to mix it up a little bit more. I, I didn't realize until this moment that it was... Uh, that it was so geography-focused. But anyway, Chicago, I must announce you, you are the worst city in the entire nation in terms of traffic congestion. And some people are actually saying that this is a, a sign of uh, something positive because the economy is thriving. If I'm sitting in traffic, for, I, I sat in traffic to drive to Long Island for two and a half hours the other day. I do not view traffic congestion as something positive at all. I I view it as a failure of mass transit options and of public transportation infrastructure. Chicago. I do denounce you. All right, um uh, you have calls, you have questions, comments, thoughts on anyone that I have denounced or anything that has transpired thus far. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I believe we have persuaded Marlena Shivo to stick around a little bit. We'll see what she has to say. What uh, if she has any thoughts on denouncing people? And uh, we'll take your calls. 800-848-9222. This is the other side of midnight straight ahead. <laughs>
0: Side of Midnight with Frank Murano.
11: Well, I won't back down. No, I
0: won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't. Gonna stand my ground, won't be turned around, and I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground, and I won't back down. Hey, baby. There ain't no easy way out. Hey, I will stand my ground. And I won't back down. I hate to interrupt this.
1: This is the legendary Sam Elliott singing, I won't back down. Oh, my goodness. I love that voice. Song might have been made famous by uh, Tom Petty, but uh, I think it was perfected by Sam Elliott. I love Sam Elliott. He's uh, an an actor I am a big fan of, and uh, recently he celebrated his birthday, turning 79 years of age. I think he's a great actor and a great voiceover artist. I think he's terrific on Family Guy, where he's the mayor now. I loved him in The Big Lebowski, and uh, he was in A Star Is Born, which was terrific. I, I think he's great in everything. Now, my grandmother, who's unfortunately no longer with us, she could not stand his voice. She hated his voice. And she would have to leave the room if he was in something. And her husband, my step-grandfather, who was also named Frank, was a Western fanatic. Once they retired and moved to New Jersey, they would ju- he would just watch Westerns a good part of the day. He would fish, and then he'd stay home and watch Westerns. And Sam Elliott is in all these Westerns, and it would drive my grandmother crazy. You can understand why maybe their marriage was somewhat tumultuous. Marlena Schiavo has agreed to stick around with us for uh, a bit. Uh, Marlena, how's, uh, how's your Friday going so far?
12: Uh, so far, so good. I'm still awake, and um, I'm hanging with you, Frank.
1: Wonderful. Well, that's cool. Um, what did you, uh, any reaction to denunciations, any denunciation of your own?
12: Um, well, well, I I have one reaction to your de- denunciations. I was listening to you saying that like these lists were coming out in one company. They sent out all of these addresses and phone numbers, right. and then also to what the what was it, Department of Finance of New York? Right. Correct. Where are these people who um, leak these things out when it comes to the Epstein list? Like, we still right. haven't seen this list. Has Arthur I. Dallas seen this list?
1: That's a good question. Um, uh, I uh well, I mean, I don't know what Joanne maxwell, who's who he's representing uh, yes. there. I don't know what what she actually had access to in terms of uh, Epstein, but she if you had believe, eyeballs. yeah, exactly., uh, yeah, it's a good question, a good question. And uh, that always, uh, yeah, the stuff that we want to know that's never seems to come out
12: I know. I re- you, actually, um you were talking about how John and I were on the earlier in the show. we were on the radio a year ago on the same day. but, A memory popped up on social media that you and I did radio like three years ago Um, and, you know, remotely when we were recording each other. I made you like record it on a video. That was fun. And um, we were talking about how um, they never released the the cause of death for – Jeffrey Epstein. Nope, the cause of death for uh, Trump's brother had died, and they kept saying they couldn't, you know, release it. And it was the same point. It was like people leak all types of information, but there wasn't one person who was at that time leaking the cause of death of Trump's brother. And it's amazing how, like, if they really do want to cover up something like Jeffrey Epstein's death and the list that goes along with it. So, what's your take on Epstein? Do Do you think Epstein was murdered? I do. I you, do not Epstein,
1: our uh, telephone talent coordinator, uh, who apparently is a, a first cousin or second cousin once removed, but um, but Jeffrey Epstein.
12: <laughs> You're kidding.
1: Say what you will about him, but he made the greatest mashed potatoes every is that Thanksgiving. True? Oh, well, that's
12: that's oh.
1: Uh, that's something. Didn't you do that with Woody Allen's daughter one time? You made a Woody Allen joke when not realizing that not, Woody but, Allen um, daughter. But
12: but someone in the office did. It was it was a, a host filling in for uh, Nancy Grace at the time. And um, it was obviously a crime show and she was looking at a uh, a perp picture and she said out loud, not knowing that the intern sitting right next to her was the um, daughter who sued uh, Woody Allen, um, said out loud, uh, wow, this guy is so creepy looking. He's like Woody Allen creepy. And what are the chances? This poor woman, you know, she had no idea. She's just talking. And it's like of all the people that could she could be sitting next to it's this girl that's why I mean it, I mean talk about the stars aligning the wrong way, speaking of and this is I'm going off topic for a second, but stars aligning the wrong way I was uh listening to Fox News radio. And I heard this wild story about a, a, a snake falling out of the sky and, and wrapping around a woman's arm. Did you hear about this? No. Is it the worst story. I'm like, what kind of luck do you have? To, anyway, this woman in Texas is walking. A snake <laughs> falls out of the sky, wraps around her arm, starts slapping her in the face. And what had happened was there was an eagle that dropped the snake, right? The eagle comes swooping down. Or a hawk. Maybe it was a hawk. It was a hawk. A hawk comes swooping down and then starts like wrestling this snake off this woman's arm. She's (laughs) she thinks she got bit and now she's just traumatized. And finally, the hawk takes off with this snake. And it turns out, I mean, the ending was good. She wasn't bit by a venomous snake, but she was in fact scratched by the talons of this hawk. But what kind of karma?
1: Snake (laughs) NATO.
12: Exactly. It's exactly right. What? Yeah, exactly. You can't you have to like Spielberg this thing. Like what? Who is just walking along and has the word speaking of? And this is actually a terrible story and I'm not going to belabor it. But, you know, where I am, there's not a ton of people. Right. It's pretty quiet. Even in the summertime, it doesn't get crazy. So a man was a local was walking out of the um Like, uh, uh, what do you call it? I was about to say mailbox, post office. (laughs) He's walking out of the post office. An old guy in his 90s thought he was in reverse, was actually in drive, and completely smashes this Uh. guy, pins him up against the wall. The guy's bleeding. They had to amputate his leg. Oh. This guy is just coming out of the post office. He's a surfer. That is not good. How, what things did you do? In, well, now this guy was just bad luck. But what kind of luck is it that you're just walking and have to be in the right spot that a snake would land on your arm? I don't know. Anyway, it was a terrible story. It gives me nightmares. I do not like any types of snakes. Uh,
1: one of the things that people have suggested over the years is that uh, sometimes older drivers should have to re-qualify for their driver's test. Because yeah. you're, maybe your instincts aren't what they once were when you were... Seventeen or eighteen, and if you're driving at seventy five or eighty and you still think you're fine to drive, but if you are putting cars in to drive when they should be in reverse, you could really hurt somebody. Do
12: you have a view on that uh yeah, I agree with that. I think they should have to retest um because they are a danger, but I mean there's a lot of people that are a danger on the road, especially with you know teenagers are a danger text texting you know texting while driving is a danger, but yes, I think that the elderly at some point and i know it's controversial because then it's ageist right to say that but if they are able and they're say say they start the testing at 80 and they are able then they get to keep their license but if you can't pass a basic driver's test i don't think you should be driving
1: the um the issue of animals reminds me of uh something that i've seen recently which is you know uh, we had to uh put our cat to sleep recently uh-huh. And there's now a big movement, a big trend towards in-home pet euthanasia.
12: Did you do that with now, yours?
1: No, they, uh, our, you know, we were on the way back from, uh, Cape May and, uh, our pet sitter had taken him to the animal hospital to see if he could get any sort of treatment. And they said, no, that he, that he was suffering and had to be put to sleep.
12: So had, had you known that your cat, um, was, what needed to be euthanized, would you, would you ever opt for an in-home I think
1: so. That's what our neighbor did with their dog.
12: Okay, see, this is, I don't have a pet, but my friend's sister did this with her dog on Monday because she wanted her kids to be there. Mm. And I, I was very, um, I was not in agreement with that. I mean, if you want to do it at your house, that's one thing, but wouldn't you want to remove your kids? I mean, she has an eight year old and a five year old, and they had to witness their dog being euthanized. And I, I'm sure there's some lesson in this for them, but I just think you're just... I, I think it's an unnecessary step. Would you do that with Carmine if he was five
1: years old? I don't think so. I, I think I would want him far house. removed from, right. from the situation.
12: Instead, she had her other dog removed. Yeah. And no. She had her other dog removed from the house during this and kept her kids there.
1: You know, it's interesting. my uh, I, I have a, a close friend, my friend Vinny, who I think you've met. His daughter, uh, Lena, she comes over and plays with Carmine a lot. She's uh, 15 and, um, you know, she, you know, she, she's almost like family. And, uh, she, I told them that Rachel was very upset when our, our cat Melchizedek passed away. And, uh, she asked me, and she didn't tell me what it was for or anything, but she said, do you have a picture of, of Melchizedek? And I, I sent her a picture and she came to the house a couple of days ago. She had a pillow made in the shape of a cat with Melchizedek's picture and it looks, exactly like him I mean it looks like uh a, a um it a really a really impressive image of this this cat as a pillow so uh and my wife saw it she started crying right away as soon as she saw this pillow and uh, here here's a, a photo you could see you could see um, the the photo of uh, Melchizedek oh, there oh, yeah. <laughs> and So one of the other cats that uh, that Melchizedek was friends with, we have two cats, one of whom he was bitter rivals with, the other cat he was very close with, right? Uh, Rachel would call them, uh, depending on the day, either uh, boyfriend and girlfriend or or siblings. The cat that he was friends with yesterday was sniffing around this pillow like crazy and staring at this pillow, wondering if it was Melchizedek. Could you? Taxidermy a pet? Is that legal? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I don't think so. That's pretty, I I think that's kind of morbid, but I mean, maybe this pillow is morbid too, but uh, I I don't think that I would do that. Okay,
12: so then I should tell my dad he's not getting (laughs) taxidermy. Because, you know, the question comes up with parents all the time. You know, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be, uh,
1: um. Embalmed. No, no. Cremated.
12: Cremated. Cremated or buried. Um, and my dad said, neither, I want to be stuffed and just keep, just move me from room to room <laughs> through every, um, family occasion. And I said, absolutely not. But I wondered if that was even a, le- obviously he's kidding, but. I think half kidding. Um, if that's even a legal thing to do, that's. i You should look
1: into that for him. I think he appreciate <laughs> that, right?
12: Yes that w- that will be his next gift. You know,
1: uh, my friend Joe Piscopo, who uh, obviously does a great uh, syndicated Sundays with Sinatra show. He told me that his father, who was a uh, a lawyer but also a very funny guy, he I think wanted to be stuffed, and he wanted at his funeral a a recording of him saying different things so that he would actually be talking oh. while standing up almost like uh like a character at at Disney World or something Oh
12: my yeah like a wax museum
1: Right but they didn't they didn't go for it so
12: Oh man my dad would be singing I think he would just have to, like put on the duprees and he would just be <laughs> singing all the time Um so um the other denunciation that I needed to get in there by the way was for Sid Rosenberg mm. Uh, Sid, Uh, Sid, uh,
1: people listening around the country, uh, Sid is the uh, morning show host at uh, WABC in New York.
12: Yes, uh, Sid Rosenberg. um, uh, uh, Well, let's go back to April. Uh, April is when Sid's birthday came and I I went on the show and I wrote him a poem, um, somewhat insulting, but totally true and comedic (laughs) and, you know. That I, it was, uh, you know, for his birthday, my birthday came and went on August 6th and he did not acknowledge my birthday. So Sid Rosenberg, I denounce you oh, and boy. I have written an apology poem for you to read to me. And that is the expectation. All right.
1: Well, we'll see how that goes over. I'm sure he will hear about this. Uh by the way, Matt Blaze, uh Joe Piscopo wrote to me about you. He uh yeah. he he said he likes working with you. I guess you engineer his Sinatra show I on do. Sunday nights. And that he is not sure that that Matt Blaze is your real name.
2: He's not. Yeah. I'm not sure either. You're not sure either. I don't know. Has he asked you about this? No, he's not. He's not. But he, he, he asked hasn't me asked me. No, yeah, he hasn't asked me. I mean, Curtis says it all the time. I'm on the run. I'm a fraud. I'm a phony, fugazi, fraudulent, not a real name. I must... It's an alias. I could see that. I could see that. Makes sense to me.
12: You're, you have an, an alias. To uh, you know, he's an alien, <laughs> Curtis. <laughs> hey. I can't believe Curtis Lee Wah. Matt Blaze, did you see my impression of Curtis and Frank? And Sid, by any chance? I did not. <gasps> uh,
2: I to, where can, you not, where can, where can people on, see it? Tell people where they can see it's it.
12: It's on my Instagram, right. at Marlena Schiavo.
2: I'm going to go look in at it In my now. reels.
12: And I did a show, and I played all three of them. And I... I honestly think the Curtis one was probably my favorite. I thought it
1: was very entertaining. And
12: he did not he th- like it. He
1: thought it needed work, yeah. What
12: kind of work did I, I, Curtis think I don't think know. It you talk
1: to him. I'm sure he'll be here in no time. You can ask him if, he, unless he gets arrested um, you know, on the way somewhere. Oh, on the it doesn't matter
12: because there's no cash bail. So.
1: <laughs> well, and his, uh, and
12: can, although, you know, in order to not get arrested, he should just go smash and grab somewhere instead of protesting. Exactly, I mean, right. Well, he has the get away with.
1: good fortune of the person who would be asking for for bail he also pays child support to uh for their two (laughs) children so she's not keeping him out uh you know keeping it out of the workforce for a day uh you can (laughs) you could bet your bottom dollar on Uh, that uh one other thing that i did want to mention is you know my aunt camille makes this really remarkable egg salad i mean matt blaze has tried it everybody's tried it. it's really quite good so four or five years ago I mentioned this egg salad to my friend, Fred Cerullo, who's a great guy. He uh, used to be a commissioner in the Giuliani administration. Now he's the head of something called the Grand Central Partnership, which is one of the most successful business improvement districts in in the world, literally. Great guy. So I my Aunt Camille made some of this for me on Monday, and I happened to be going to an event that Fred Cerullo was at. So I said, I'm going to be a mensch here. Fred has been wanting to try this egg salad for five years. He's always telling me about how he loves this egg salad. And he uh, it's just our schedules don't work out for him to come over when I have the egg salad because it goes quick. I'm going to bring him quickly. quickly, You're right. Excuse me. And I'm going to bring him the egg salad and I give it to him Monday night. And then, you know, this event that we were at at a restaurant, I was worried he might have forgot it. I text him later in the evening. Did you remember to take home the egg salad? Yes, I took it home. I have it with me. Would you know, that was Monday, today's Friday. I have not heard a thing about this egg salad. So I'm thinking he either lost this egg salad somewhere and told me he brought it home, or he I can't imagine he tried it and didn't like it. Because I, I, but what other possible explanation is that I wouldn't have heard something about this egg salad?
12: Uh, did he know you were waiting for feedback?
1: No, but I would have. This is the kind of egg salad that invites feedback. You can't try this and say, "Oh well, I'm just going to go on with the rest." Is of Is there life. A,
12: a, an extra ingredient in there that most people don't use?
1: I, I don't think so. She she claims that she did it on video. It's on my YouTube channel. People could just search Morano Vision and uh, see her making the egg salad. It looks like every other method of egg salad. It does not taste like any other kind of egg salad.
12: Mm. Can I have some?
1: Well, we don't have it here because Fred Cerullo took it, and I-, I feel like it's now wasted because we would have appreciated it. Mm. You know, now I'm hungry. We-, we
2: haven't had any egg salad here in a while. Well, we she took tried. a little
1: bit of, hi- of a hiatus. You know, she's she's at an age where most people aren't making egg salad, so she was on a little bit of a hiatus, which made this egg salad special. See, here's what happened. So she runs into she's my aunt on uh, my mother my uh, father's side of the family she but you know we all live in the same neighborhood right so she runs into my uncle on my mother's side of the family at church right they my, it's my uncle Steve who had those cats that he got rid of and my uh, uncle Steve is telling his fiance about my aunt Camille's egg salad and this motivates her anew to make a new batch of egg salad so she makes two batches of egg salad. Makes one for him, which I, of course, now have a chore. I have to deliver it. And um, makes one for me. So I, and this goes quickly. We ate it quickly because we hadn't had it in so long. So then, a couple of weeks later, we get word that there's a new batch of egg salad ready. I say, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to give, I'm going to give it to Fred Cerullo to take home. And now I almost feel like it was thrown away. People talk about wasting votes by voting for Ralph Nader, or Ross Perot. I feel like I wasted this egg salad on an
12: unappreciative head of Grand Central Partnership.
2: I have to agree, and I think it's, she's gonna have to make another batch. Yeah. I, I, will I'll talk to her. I'll talk to her.
12: I thought that you were, uh, protesting eggs because of the, uh, the prices. The prices. Yeah, it
1: came down. It came down. And when, when, you know, my Camille's making the egg salad, she's buying the eggs. So even if I wasn't buying the eggs, she was, you know, she would still be paying for them.
12: Oh, okay. So you, 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 That's funny. So you ask her to make you egg salad. Well, I don't ask. She
1: volunteers. (laughs) She volunteers. I mean, what else does she have to do? She's going to church every day. She's making egg salad.
12: I think it's weird that in one year we've talked about eggs twice. Yes. All right. We're moving on. All right. 800 It really truly is a economic crisis oh. Oh. that's right, a
1: good one 800-848-9222 Thanks, Matt. Uh, Debbie Schlossel will be here uh, next hour we'll talk movies 800-848-9222 Marlena Schiavo is here this is The Other Side of Midnight I'm Frank Morano straight ahead
0: Sign at Midnight with Frank Morano
11: when there's nothing But a slow-glowing dream That your fear seems to hide deep inside your mind. All I have cried, silent tears full of pride. In a world
1: What a feeling on this day in 1983. This song was number one. Uh, the more things change, they the more they stay the same. Hey, uh, earlier in the week I was telling you about the uh, Kansas newspaper that was raided by local police and prosecutors. We have an update on that. But one uh, trend that we're seeing is in um, public schools. There is a movement towards gender neutral bathrooms which some people might call unisex bathrooms. And this is not just an American thing. It's uh, happening across England as well. And students in England are protesting. California now may require all gender bathrooms in schools and uh, in Augusta County, Georgia. They are moving towards gender neutral bathrooms. Uh, joining me in studio to discuss this and a whole lot more is, uh, Marlena Shivo who
12: identifies as a woman. I do, as do you. So I, (laughs) I like, I seriously, um, don't know how I, I don't mind gender neutral bathrooms as long as they're still male and female bathrooms. I think that if that's the third choice.
1: Right, I see. So, men's room, like, don't female replace, room, yes, yeah, and gender neutral. Correct. R- makes sense. That's it, how it is in a lot of, you know, airport public rooms Right, yeah, or, public or, or something.
12: But I had I got a text message from a friend of mine, um, who got a text message from a friend of hers who said in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, they're going to be replacing uh the restrooms in an elementary school there uh with all gender neutral. Well, she called it unisex. Um, I can't find any publication on this at the moment. And I'm wondering if perhaps this person is um, misunderstanding that they're not replacing it. But if they were, I, I, I feel like they would never pass. I feel like parents would be in an uproar. I mean, why would you want your any age children in the same bathroom with each other? Right. You know, so um but uh so, yeah, so I would not be in favor of. Replacing bathrooms with only gender neutral bathrooms, but I'm fine with their, their existence Makes as a sense. third option. Yeah,
1: no, I would, I would agree with that uh, completely. Um, w- hey, one of the things that uh, I did want to ask you about is names for boats. People put a lot of effort into picking a name for a boat. You live in a community that's, uh, you know, on the water. I'm sure there are a lot of boats that you come across and a lot of interesting boat names. You don't have a boat though, right?
12: My dad has a boat. Oh, he does? Yes. Which it's, uh, uh, always twice. Yeah. Always twice. I like mm, it. Yeah, it, it, it says it always takes him, it always takes him two times to get things right. So, um, so that's where that comes from. I'm more, you know, wordy, or like, I like puns, I like whatever. So I have a neighbor across the street who actually just sold his boat, but I just felt like his name was very lackluster, and um he talks about maybe getting another boat, and he's a he's an ER doc. So I was like, I got it! Your boat should be the doc. I like And Perfect. He's like, absolutely not. And I'm just like... honey punny? He's like, I don't want to make any reference to me being a doc. I don't know. Doctor or something. Okay, so... Speaking of,
1: do you know, I don't know if it's still, he still has this boat, but do you know when he got this boat, this is my close 20 years ago when, um, you know, when I interacted with him, when we were at the same radio company, what Sean Hannity's boat was named, what was it? It was called, I think this is very clever, airwaves,
12: which is cool. See, okay. But
1: not as cool as the greatest boat name of all time which uh was a boat that was owned by John Gotti Junior twenty five years ago. No, more than that. Well, between twenty five and thirty years ago. His boat name and I think this is brilliant, for him, innocent until proven guilty.
12: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love that. It's great. Okay. I like I'm more of a pun person, so you know, I um my boss has a boat and apparently it's unnamed whether he's telling the truth or not. I have no idea because I asked him the boat name and he said, Oh, I haven't named it yet. And, um, and then he changed his story about why it wasn't named or whatever. So anyway, so I always look at these things as a challenge and, and, you know, just for fun. And so I started coming up with all of these names, right? So, I want your opinion on these names. Although now that you said that about airwaves, I had suggested this one to him, but I think it would be better if Donald Trump had a boat. It could be called uh Wake News. Wait, okay. Okay. I like right? it. Right? Yeah. Wake News. Wake? Okay, fine. Whatever. Matt Blaze, you got to help me out I, here. I get it. I need no, I circuit. get it. All right. How about Against All Cods?
1: <laughs> That's good. Okay. I like that.
12: All right. Uh, and Cod Bless America.
1: It's not bad, yeah. Not so for far my 3 uh, the I like against all cards best.
12: Not for sale S A I L. How about I like that one. How about Prime Real Estate R E E L? R E E L. Okay. Like, you I fish. like that. Sure, fish, absolutely. Right? Okay. Um how about um well this is, you know, for someone who uh has worked in government or it still works in government. Um politician. <laughs>
1: I, I like that that's good and
12: government official F- official F- okay. Yeah. okay okay um and then for my boss particularly just because everything was a no, no Oh no no wait i suggested um the gov boat <laughs> uh oh. all right well then i was like fine how about fish james
1: <laughs> oh see that's a good one that's a that's a winner fish james it that's, is uh, Yeah, Uh, I I wanted to mention this before we run out of time. Uh, Earlier in the week, I mentioned the story of this newspaper in Marion County, Kansas, that was raided by the police. They took all the devices of uh, a lot of the reporters. They raided the home of the owner. The 98-year-old mother of the owner actually died due to the stress. And we were talking about this at the time. I said this was a blatant violation of the First Amendment. And the police said at the time that, oh, you'll see. When the facts come out about this case, you will see. And lo and behold, Kansas prosecutors withdrew the search warrant that Marion County police said justified their raid on the Marion County record. The local weekly newspaper that was raided on Friday. All the items seized by the police from the newspaper's office and the homes of its employees have been returned to their owners. That's according to a paper, a lawyer for the paper. Eric Myers, the publisher of the newspaper, talked about this. It was
5: designed to create a chilling effect on our publication.
1: He continued by saying,
7: "It's very interesting because the probable cause affidavit, which normally precedes a search warrant, was actually filed three days after the search."
1: I am glad this episode is over for them, but I feel terrible that his mother. Has passed away. Did you follow this story at all? No. Yeah, it's a- awful. And uh, I think once people start taking the First Amendment for granted, we're we're all in real trouble. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Original Rick is in Original Jersey. Hello.
6: Yeah, good morning, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning uh, Ms. Shiva. right?
1: Yes.
11: Yes. I want
6: to make sure yeah. I, did, I have a question for her because, uh, you know, a- asking Frank about women... He knows more about aliens than he does about women. That's
11: true. I would agree with that.
6: This is good we have a women's touch here. What's going on with women's eyebrows? You know, what what started them plucking them where they are naturally and drawing them all over their face, wherever they seem to it it goes? I mean, half of them walk by me. They look like Uncle Leo on that Seinfeld episode. (laughs) I I mean, uh, if you see a really pretty woman, you'll notice Her eyebrows are where they're supposed to be on the, on the bone. You, they draw them above, like, you know, uh, uh, Pelosi started looking like she had antennae coming out of her head. Well, Pelosi is 650 650
12: years old, right? So she probably has very few hairs, like natural hair. So then, then that's when all the penciling of the eyebrows come in. And actually my grandmother, years and years and years and years ago, because I have very thick eyebrows that I, um, uh, keep, Somewhat thick uh, because my grandmother said as soon as you start plucking them away, eventually they're, they're going to go away. So I've always kept them sort of like thicker so that um, you look younger and more natural. However, you have to follow the money on all things um, like this because there's a ton of money in tattooing eyebrows and uh, I mean, I have a friend that's flying to Florida to get the, re- you know, just to go to this specific eyebrow place to to finish off the look of her eyebrows. You have to follow the money, and you have to unfollow the Kardashians because <laughs> yeah, but, they're drawing but, but, makeup all, all over their face, and it's yeah, influencing how, people.
6: I didn't mean to interrupt you, but put them tattoo them where they're supposed to go. You know, when you see the bone of the brow underneath where they're drawing their eye, it looks bizarre. It looks like they're cavemen or something. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to take it where it's supposed to go and put it somewhere else and think it looks natural. I was just well, wondering.
12: Well, you know what? In my next it. life as a cosmetologist, I will definitely take go. that on board. Oh,
1: we need that. We need that. There you go. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry.
6: <laughs> yeah, Frank, you were talking about gender-neutral bathrooms I want to ask Marlena what's, what the definition, because I, I was going to make a trip to my old college, and I looked up the school, and I found out that they have something new called gender-inclusive dorms, and I'm wondering, what the hell is that? It sounds like a freak show or something. Uh, well, what is that?
12: See, that that's where it gets dicey, right? So gender-inclusive means if you identify as uh, the gender that you were not uh, biologically assigned at birth... Um, that you qualify, uh, you know, for certain things. So that's all the, the controversy in sports. And I would imagine that a gender-inclusive dorm means that if you're a guy who identifies as a girl but still has all the – even though you might all, still have all the body parts of, a, part, parts of a guy, they have a dorm that will accept you into what is mostly biological females. That's what that says to me.
1: Marlena Chavo, it is always a treat having you here. I hope you have a delightful weekend.
12: Um, And you as well. Good luck on your softball game. Thank you very much. I'll be swimming.
1: All right. Well, hey, you know, that could be fun, too. I guess it should be nice weather.
12: A bat. But next time, I really do want to play softball with you. All right. Uh,
1: Debbie Schlossel is here. We're going to talk about that and Rico, maybe even some aliens. Your influence counts.
0: Use it. This is... Is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk radio, seventy-seven WABC. Now here's Frank Morano.
1: The other side of midnight. Hey, what's the matter, Matt Blaze? You couldn't find an alternative version of "I'm Not Tired Yet"? Only the Swan Silvertones version.
2: Don't think I didn't look. Oh boy! So this I is the did. only version. This is the only version. The other versions were live uh, gospel versions. Which I don't now, really play this that is well. the
1: this is the perfect version. Yeah. All right. Uh, before Debbie Schlossel joins us to talk movies in about a half hour, I want to get to I uh, want to get to two things. Two things that I think are important. One is, uh, this UFO issue, which has gotten a lot of attention finally in Washington DC and is now being covered seriously. And the newspaper, The Hill, which is sort of the go-to political publication in Washington DC, they had a, a great event yesterday. They called it, The Truth is Out There, UFOs and National Security. And they invited lawmakers and experts to discuss national security risks associated with unidentified anomalous phenomenon or UAP, um, bipartisan. It was Democrats and Republicans there. One of the, one of the people there was Democratic Congressman Jared Moskowitz of Florida. This is what he said:
10: "I think the most surprising thing is how I'll say bipartisan or nonpartisan the hearing was. I mean, I've been in Congress eight months." And it by far was the, the, the first time that, that I've seen Democrats and Republicans literally rowing in the same direction, uh, which was fighting for government transparency. I think that was uh, you know, surprising and encouraging.
1: This is such an important point that he makes. And that was the greatest thing about the UFO hearing is you saw folks, Democrats and Republicans, people that can't even agree on what day of the week it is, Basically on the same side of trying to get the government to tell the truth about the UFO issue. And I was very heartened by that. Somebody that we've been trying to get a hold of to go, come on the show is uh, Congressman Tim Burkett, Republican of Tennessee. Big shout out to uh, both of our Tennessee stations, WUCT and KWAM, the mighty 990. Here was Congressman Tim Burkett talking to the Hill.
3: And if we could set up that separate committee, I think we, that'd be the, the avenue to take all those other things down. And I think we could, we could start a sit, uh, series of hearings as well. And, um, and I'd like to take them out from under the Capitol at some point, maybe some of the, some of the areas that we think we, where we think that there, there's some activity at.
1: And, uh, Congresswoman Anna Polina Luna, Republican talked about the witnesses that they had at the hearing itself. Now the, 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 the witness that said the most, uh, outrageous things. And when I mean, when I say outrageous, outrageous, I mean them to be blockbuster, outlandish, hard to believe. I don't mean to say that he was not telling the truth because I thought he was very sincere. But the witness that got the most attention was David Grush. David Grush essentially said that, uh, the, the government has in their possession aircraft of non-human origin and Biologics, other other be otherworldly beings. Now that's a pretty bold claim. But Grush said both in his interview with News Nation and in his testimony before Congress that he had well, he said it in News Nation that he could not had not seen this firsthand. And um he was asked about this by Congress and basically he said he couldn't comment on it. So Congresswoman luna addressed this
9: as you heard from Grush's testimony there were some things that he could not address in the hearing because of the classification of that information now the uh the excuse that the department of defense is using for us not being able to get a skiff is that gresh doesn't have an active clearance so unless he has an active clearance they're saying that he can't divulge that information to us which is one i believe false and then also two it just is another Point that we're trying to make that the Department of Defense is literally trying to stonewall us,
1: and well, not literally, but figuratively trying to stonewall you. Anna Polina Luna says what they're working on next.
9: The status is as follows: we are working on him, uh, getting him a clearance for one, and then also two. We're working on getting access to be allowed to use a skiff. And the good thing is, is that we have multiple lawmakers that have signed onto a letter that Representative Burchett has put forward. And then we are also requesting, and we have put out a letter to myself, uh, Jared Moskowitz, Representative Gates, and Representative Burchett, have also on to a letter to Speaker McCarthy to ask for a special select committee to investigate this so that we have subpoena power.
1: So we'll see where this goes. You know, Stephen Bassett was on this program a week or two ago saying that uh, he thought Biden would come out and declassify some information related to UAPs by the time the campaign is over, meaning within the next year. I am not that optimistic, but I am glad that Congress is pursuing this issue seriously and in a bipartisan manner and that the press is covering this mostly seriously because the most important aspect of this and – I, and I don't know if there are aliens – but the most important aspect of this is, as Kirsten Gillibrand has said, to take away the stigma that both commercial airline pilots and military servicemen feel about reporting UFOs. Because there was always this hesitance about reporting UFOs because people thought that you were going to be uh, labeled as some sort of a crackpot when that is not the case. All right. You want to comment on that or anything else we've covered? You're welcome to 800-848-9222. But There is one aspect of this latest Trump indictment that I have, or the latest of the Trump indictments that I have to comment on. And that is the nature of what he and Rudy Giuliani and their 17 other co-defendants are being charged with. You remember what they're being charged with? They're being charged with racketeering. The Georgia equivalent of the RICO Act. The RICO Act is a federal law. It's. We'll get to that in a second. And then Georgia has their own version of the RICO Act. The RICO Act was passed federally in 1970. President Nixon signed it. It was sort of part of his initiative to get tough on crime. And nobody was prosecuted under it for another 10 years. And it wasn't until Rudy Giuliani was U.S. attorney that he used it in very creative ways. We'll get into that in just a second. Glenn Greenwald, who does a terrific podcast called System Update, sort of summarized the RICO Act in Georgia and the nature in which it's being used here and which it's used in general. Here was Glenn Greenwald quote Rico is so broad
10: in Georgia that it really is a free-for-all Franklin said it allows for the substance of the case to become secondary and it allows for a prosecutor to just tell a narrative of whatever they want to tell because the pattern of racketeering only has to be two occurrences that don't necessarily have to be related to one
1: another I want you to think about that a second two occurrences that don't even have to be related to one another that's a crime That's racketeering in the state of Georgia. To be related to one another.
10: It just felt abusive and leans into this concept of prosecutors as bullies who just want to get what they want as opposed to using the tools of their disposal to achieve community safety and justice. Georgia's RICO Act was enacted in 1980, a decade after the federal version, which is a notably narrower scope. The federal statute, for instance, requires that prosecutors show proof that there is a threat of ongoing racketeering activity in Georgia. Only two related acts are needed to prove a pattern. So it was enacted in 1980 at the time of the same election that enacted Ronald Reagan when Republicans were absolutely running on a tough on crime platform. And they enacted a lot of laws that made it way easier for prosecutors to easily obtain convictions against people with barely any proof. And now they're, in some way, reaping what they've sowed. And that's what makes this this prosecution probably more dangerous than any of the others, though
1: not more valid. He is exactly right. Exactly right. This is a clear instance of the people that used RICO and the people that were prosecuted under others under RICO and the people that wrote this RICO Act reaping what they have sown. So if we're going to look at this indictment, and one of the great things about the Trump presidency and how he's been treated by the intelligence agencies and the FBI is it's caused Republicans and conservatives, people that had this fetish – For law enforcement agencies, especially federal law enforcement agencies and intelligence agencies, and they took as gospel things that they were saying about weapons of mass destruction and warrantless wiretapping during the Bush administration. When it happens to their guy, all of a sudden they have serious questions about the uh, FBI abuses of power and things of that nature, which I think is very healthy the Republicans of 2018 and 2019 sounded very much like the Democrats of 2003 and 2004. Now, of course, the Democrats of 2022 and 2023 sound like the Republicans of 2003 and 2004. I wish this would be one of those unifying issues, but what I would love the Republicans to do is rather than just get distracted by the shiny object of Donald Trump, let's look at this. Let's look at the, let's have a sane and sober look at the RICO law. Let's have a look at the RICO law. As far as I'm concerned, the RICO law is completely unconstitutional, and it is... Take something that are on a federal level, certainly, but I think it's totally misused on a state level as well. It takes something that's already state crimes and turns them into federal crimes. If there's one positive that comes out of these endless Trump indictments, let it be that the Republicans in the House finally try to put an end to... To the RICO The time has come for the RICO law to go away. It is totally unconstitutional and nobody wants to hear this because most of the people that are locked up under the RICO Act are gangsters. They're bad guys. So nobody is really looking to, um, do a gangster any favor. Well, now that the racket, these racketeering statutes are being applied to politicians that half the country really admires, now maybe this is going to wake some Republicans up in Congress and say, yeah, this is wrong. This is totally unconstitutional, and we can't pretend that the Bill of Rights doesn't exist for criminals. The Bill of Rights exists especially for criminals. Uh, Matthew Marry is a very well-known criminal defense attorney. He's been a guest on this show before. This is what he had to say after the indictment of Rudy Giuliani. Now, keep in mind, Rudy Giuliani was the first person to really use RICO. And I I love him as mayor, and I love him as a person, but the things that he did as U.S. attorney, I think, were blatantly violations of the Bill of Rights, including the way he used RICO Act, the RICO Act, and other people have used it in a similar vein since then. This is what Matthew Mary had to say.
4: Hey, Frank, this is Matthew Mary.
1: I know you're doing a piece tonight
4: on uh, Rudy Giuliani being indicted on the Georgia RICO statute. It's kind of ironic now that he is the one who's being framed by the RICO law, which he didn't create, but he used more than any other man in the history of the legal system. And uh, I'm a softie. I feel sorry for Rudy. I know he did a good job as mayor of New York. And he tried to do a good job for Trump, too. Didn't do quite such a good job. But anyhow, I'm sorry for him that now he's being framed in a RICO case. But there are hundreds and hundreds of families who are now cheering because it
1: seems what goes around comes around. And he had a lengthier explanation, but that's what he left for me. William Anderson is a legal scholar and a law professor, and I interviewed him about 10 years ago, asking him essentially, what's what's the matter with the RICO Act? Why is it unconstitutional? This is what he said.
3: What they created were essentially fiction crimes, actual things that did not exist, but you could take other actions that would ordinarily be under state jurisdictions and bundle them up into a single charge called racketeering.
1: Now, think about that. Racketeering is a federal crime. What is that? What does that mean? I, I know what it means to kill someone. I understand that being a crime. I know what it means to steal from someone. I understand that being a crime. I know what it means to assault someone. I know what it means to rape someone. I know what it means to extort someone. I know what it means to kidnap someone. Can you racketeer someone? Of course not. They made up this whole class of fictitious crimes, and it's duplicative of state law.
3: It would be easier to convict somebody on racketeering because for think about, okay, what's the standard for criminal law? it would be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Well it's one thing to talk about murdered. Was it did this person murder somebody or did he order the murder of somebody else? Was he behind this crime? That's one thing. It's a whole other thing when you have a, a what essentially is a fiction and you don't even you don't have to prove murder. You don't have to prove robbery. In fact, you can't legally prove those things in a federal court if they are actually st- under state mm-hmm. statutes. Right. All right. And so what you ended up doing in a in a de facto way was setting a criminal standard of preponderance of the evidence,
1: and that's the civil standard. And that is very very. Frightening, and he even talked about how uh, the purpose of RICO has changed over the years.
3: The purpose of RICO was to get convictions. The purpose of RICO was to make it easier to get people convicted of crimes. People that ordinarily, you see, the, the first thing was, yeah, everybody knows he's guilty, but and but and, but then it was okay. Well, we're going to find a way to make this put this person in prison.
1: Rico has so many problems and they have only gotten worse. Now, for starters, if you're, if they charge you under the Rico statute, federally, I don't believe this is the case in Georgia, but if they charge you under the Rico statute, they, they have the ability to freeze your money. The theory being they don't want you to use ill-gotten gains to hire a high-priced criminal defense attorney. Now, think about that. Before you've been convicted of anything, the government has the power to actually freeze your assets. This is, in my view, a blatant violation of the Constitution. And RICO, I think, subverts liberty and uh, the true purpose of law. William Anderson is a professor at um, Frostburg State University in, uh, in Maryland. I think it's just... Awful. And my hope is Donald Trump is the one guy that has the support around the country and the, the month, the means to fund this legally and the juice. I hope that if he's convicted under this RICO statute in Georgia, and again, I realize that it's a state law versus a uh, federal law. I hope he challenges this all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court weighs in on the uh, constitutionality of the RICO law and of these racketeering laws to begin with. The constitutionality of RICO is really something that even legal scholars have recognized as quite questionable. Even Justice Scalia, when he was alive, seemed to welcome a challenge on this, on this basis so the law is so vague that Scalia suggested it would be uh, that it was unconstitutional. I certainly think that it is. And uh, the only silver lining, as far as I can see in this whole thing, is that maybe this is going to open enough eyes up to look at this law and see um, that maybe this is not the right way to go. So we'll see what happens. All right, Debbie Schlossel is going to be here in a few minutes. We're going to talk movies. I'll ask her opinion on this as well because she is an attorney. But we are what we are going to do in just a minute is for the last time we are going to do the thousand dollar minute. Now, why is this the last time? Well, um, management has decided essentially that it has run its course that uh, we can try something else in this hour and do some different things that might be more fun and more interesting. And so that's what we're going to do starting on Monday. So this is going to be the for the last hurrah, and it would certainly be apropos if somebody won it uh, today. So for the last time, if you think you have what it takes to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, then be the seventh caller right now. To 800 848 9222. That's 800 848 9222. So for the last time, we'll play the thousand dollar minute straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
1: singing Rio. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on this show, join our Facebook group. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's uh, M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. We list the songs there uh, each and every day. It's also meant to be a discussion group about the uh, various subjects, personalities, topics that we cover on this show. By the way, I just got a nice message on Facebook from uh, Joe from Ronkonkoma. He had called in yesterday indicating he's a great listener and a great caller, that his wife was uh, experiencing some, was was having surgery yesterday, and apparently it went very well. So uh, she is expected to be home tomorrow, and uh, I think that is great news. Speaking of things happening this weekend, if you want to play softball in our charity softball game to benefit Tunnel to Towers... You can email me, and I'll get you the details, frank.morano at com. That's frank.morano at networks.com. You can also just come and watch if you want. Uh, although, I mean, it'll be kind of a boring game if we don't have enough players. Uh, but without further ado, it is time for
0: The Other Side of Midnight presents It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Marano. Thank you, Coach Libertini. Um,
1: I'm going to miss this segment. I must say, this, uh, this is a game that was conceived by our former program director, Dave Labrosi, almost three years ago. And uh, when he first proposed it, I thought it was lame. And uh, I but I said, all right, well, fine. I'm up for trying anything. Sounds fun. And I've always wanted to be a game show host. So I have uh, actually taken to this segment like a a fish to water. So I'm sorry to see it go. But I uh, I think we're going to be doing something fun, incorporating our news director, Noam Layden, and doing some international news stories, some national news stories, and uh, some of the news stories that make you go, oh, interesting. But uh, hopefully we can end with a winner. Let's see what we have from Mike in Pennsylvania. Hello, Mike. How you doing, Frank? I'm well, Mike. This is your chance at radio history. Are you ready? Yep, let's go. All right, Mike. Sounds good. Yeah, I love the excitement. I really do. All right. Um, uh, the, the timer will begin after the first question. If you're ready to go, we'll get started, okay? Go ahead. Go All ahead. Right. How many vowels are there? what is a bicycle with three wheels called
3: bicycle
1: what Harvard Law professor represented both OJ Simpson and Donald Trump turwitz right who was Nixon's first vice president X sorry X. F- no. What what singer is known for the hits "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time" and "Toxic"? Oh
3: no, it wasn't Tony Bennett.
1: <laughs> it was not uh-huh. Tony Bennett. Who was it? She just got divorced. It's, it's for
3: me, after the divorce, uh, toxic got divorced.
1: "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time" and "Toxic." Any ideas? uh okay. all right we're out of, we're out of time and uh I can't hear what you're saying anyway it's a, another masterful uh job of screening by jake there but um the the answer was uh britney spears britney spears so uh and that that is how the thousand dollar minute comes to an end mike uh, give. Um, Jake, your information, and if Jake can make out what you're saying, we will send you a consolation prize for the last time. Hopefully, we can come up with some other fun segments to give out prizes to in the future. Uh, so, so yeah. All right, you want to know what the other questions were? Let me read them since uh, since we're gonna we're, not, we're not gonna have a It's anyway. the last show. You know, yeah, you exactly. All right, do No question number six was what is the capital of Hawaii, which is of course Honolulu. Question number seven. Does sound travel faster in air or water? The answer is water. Uh, what woman holds the record for most Wimbledon tennis championships? Martina. Billie Light Jean King. Oh. Billie Jean King. What British author wrote the classic 1964 children's novel, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Roald Dahl. And finally, what element is a diamond made from? Carbon. And that is the $1,000 Minute. All, all important things for you to know regardless. And I always know who to call when I'm looking for a little legal analysis and a, a little insight into what motion pictures are worth seeing. I'm uh, very pleased to welcome back attorney, political commentator, and film critic, the lovely and talented Debbie Schlossel. Hello, Debbie.
8: Hi. Thanks for having me back.
1: It's great to have you back, Debbie. How have you been? Great. Thank God. And you? I mean, same. Thank God. And, uh, everybody's doing great on, uh, on our end. Debbie, uh, I want to, there's a lot of, uh, films that I'd love for you to, uh, to weigh in on. But, uh, obviously I love asking you about politics. I love asking you about legal issues. We have had uh, the Hunter Biden special counsel appointed since last we spoke and we have seen, uh, President Trump indicted again. Now it seems like President Trump is indicted every other week. And a scandal is certainly something not new to Hunter Biden. But what role do you think these two things will play on the, uh, on the election? What do you think the political implications of this will be, Debbie?
8: Well, I don't really think that there are going to be any political implications in terms of will people change their mind on voting for either of these people based on these indictments. Um, I think that People who supported Trump are for Trump. I think these indictments really, people who were on the fence, it puts them over to the side of Donald Trump because. They're mad that there's all this piling on. I know so it's, think it's, it's a piling net, on all.
1: It's a net zero. It's, n- it's nothing. Exactly. The Biden thing and the Trump thing doesn't. Um, what about legally? Do you think President Trump is going to have a tough time with this Georgia case? Some people, even conservatives that are generally pretty supportive of Trump, like Andrew McCarthy, they think this could be the case that's most likely to give him a, uh, a hard time.
8: Well, I, you know, we'll have to see because Um, A lot of the Georgia case, to me, seems like piling on. It seems like it's going after Trump for free speech and the First Amendment, Um, and a lot of lawyers are being charged in this thing. Uh, That really troubles me, that lawyers are being, you know, indicted for giving advice and for zealously defending their clients. So I happen to think the case. Is that that strong? Um, <clears throat> excuse
1: me. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you know, take a breath. You, you need some water. Uh, I mean, I think that's how a lot of people are feeling about this Georgia indictment, uh, making a lot of people just wretch uh, and gag. Uh, I think uh, uh, certainly somebody with your legal acumen, we couldn't blame you for reacting the same way.
8: Yeah, excuse me sorry about that i really think that uh it's piling on as i said and i don't know that it's as strong of a case as the documents case i think is much stronger and um i to me it seems a lot like the elvin bragg case i mean this is a state prosecutor it's not a federal prosecutor and she's using elections and a lot of things that seem to me to be federal things along with first amendment issues. Mm. Now, listen, I, I, am no longer ever supporting Donald Trump for anything. I've said that on this show before, but I do think this one to me is very problematic. I think I listened to the whole phone call that hour long phone call that Trump had with, Brad Raffensperger in uh, Georgia that is kind of at the heart of this case. And I thought he was trying to get them to do things, and he was asking them and saying, where are these votes? I need you to find me 11,000, whatever the number was, votes. But I didn't hear him say anything that was criminal, like make up votes, pull them out of of thin air. I mean, I think maybe – you could say that that was the implication but on the other hand you could say that this was somebody who was whining to me the call seemed just whiny it di- it didn't sound like right it didn't it sound famous. criminal right yeah. and i just think the whole thing is like i said piling on i think this woman sees everybody else do this uh funny whatever her last name is The prosecutor, she seems like she's just trying to get her time in the sun, her 15 minutes off of this, just like Alvin Bragg did. And to me, I don't think the case is really all that strong as others are saying. And we'll have to see. You know, it all depends on who's in the jury. You know, Georgia is a more conservative state, even though they now have two very far-left U.S. senators. Yeah, I think that's
1: one of the reasons that the uh, Trump defendants, Mark Meadows and others... Are so eager to get this state, this case moved from state court to federal court because the, the uh, jury pool in the federal district court, as I understand it, would be much more favorable to Trump than the Fulton County jury pool would be to uh, President Trump. Hey, uh, before we get to the movies though, I have been very eager to ask you about uh, something that's both a movie issue and a legal issue, this blindside saga. you have uh, Sean and Leanne Toohey, Leanne Tuey, who was played by Sandra Bullock in the movie The Blind Side, and their connection to former NFL star Michael Orr, which inspired that movie. They are planning to enter a consent to uh, a consent order to end a conservatorship that Orr is contesting in court, and there seems to be some very bitter feelings that I think those of us in the public were surprised by in that we viewed this as just one big happy family that they were writing books and making movies about. Have you followed this whole side saga, and do you have a take on which side might be telling the truth?
8: So I have followed it. Um, I'm very perplexed by this guy and why Michael Orr and why he would accuse the Tues of this. So the Tues who are this fam, white family and by the way, I just hate the whole racial thing here and I feel that that's why he's come out with this now is that, you know, it's popular to basically attack white people and say, oh, look at white people trying to treat back black people Badly, black people are always the victims, white people are always the perpetrators. And that's kind of what is being said here, even though race isn't being brought up. We all know that the tuis were this white family. They magnanimously took in this um son of a his mother was a was a drug addict and he was basically a homeless kid, basically. And they took him in. They were a very wealthy family. They're very wealthy, the twoies. They did not need to take any money from this person, Michael Orr. Beyond that, they they say that they did not make much money. They only made a few thousand dollars off of this movie. And we all know that Hollywood has a lot of creative accounting, so-called, because they try to rip off people who've written books and who've done other things Um, and then they make a movie on it and don't really pay them that much. The, the big money really goes to the stars and to the producer and the director. Uh, that's usually how it works. Um, I, Sandra Bullock played Mrs. Toohey in this, in this, uh, movie. I thought it was a great story. Um, unfortunately, because of the racial, Makeup of the participants. I think that that's why this has happened. If Michael Orr had a problem with this, I mean, he is a full grown, fully grown adult. He's been out of the NFL for years. But by the way, he made a lot of money in the NFL, and I think he spent it all. And I think now he needs money, and that's why he's done this. I'm willing to cut him a little slack because I do think he's kind of a troubled person. He was brought up by a very troubled woman before the two east took him in. And and I think there is maybe a little bit something off about him. Plus, there are probably some lawyers who, um, you know, kind of took him hostage a little bit and and moved this beyond his mere false accusation stage. Um, you know, now he's suing them and so on. Um, as far as the conservatorship, my understanding is that they could not have legally adopted him because he was already um, an adult. He was already beyond 18, and in certain states you can't adopt somebody that's 18, um, and that's why they did the conservatorship. Um, He knows that there's the word conservatorship that has now become a poisonous word because of Britney Spears, although I think, you know, as I've told people all along with the whole Britney Spears thing, she's nuts. Um, I never saw any evidence that the father did anything wrong. And now we're seeing how nuts she is. She's getting divorced from what husband number three or four, I think. Um, And, and doing these crazy, stupid dances around a stripper pole online. Um, So he's heard the word conservatorship. He knows that if he puts that out there, everyone's going to think, oh, Britney Spears, dad stealing from him and, He's basically living on a plantation and these white, evil white people stole from him. Um, That's why he's doing this. So uh, I, you know, after looking into all this, I really think he's in the wrong. Mm. But like I said, I think he's a troubled person and I'm willing to cut him slack. Uh, who I'm not gonna cut slack to is the lawyers that are doing that. Sure.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe they could reach some sort of a compromise where Britney Spears' father gets to be in charge of the conservatorship over Michael Orr and uh, the <laughs> two E's get to be in charge of Britney Spears. We'll see how that goes. Um, a lot of films that I wanna, I wanna get your take on. I'm a dog person. I love dogs. There's a film, a comedy film, a comedy adventure film involving dogs, dogs with celebrity voices, what could go wrong, called Strays. Uh, Tell folks about this picture. Is it worth seeing?
8: I personally, it was a little bit way too raunchy and disgusting. It's not even just too dirty, but it's just too gross for me. It's about this dog who has this owner. Um, Will Fort, who hates him and doesn't want him, but he ke- keeps coming back. He keeps putting the dog way far away, and the dog keeps finding its way back. So one day he takes him all the way, I think, to California, and the dog is basically homeless, and it meets other strays, and the other strays are trying to help him get back with his owner. Um, parts of it are very, very funny, but just a lot of it is so raunchy it's just gross I it really it has an R rating it really to me is almost like an NC-17 it's just so explicit and then other parts of it are so thickening um it just it was not for me and I did see some people walk out of this movie while I was at the really so
1: Really? Uh, Interesting. Hey, I am a a science fiction fanatic. I love Star Trek. I love uh, Star Wars. I was just talking about aliens a few minutes ago. So I'm a sucker for anything science fiction related. How will I and people of my ilk enjoy landscape with invisible hand?
8: So I'm with you. I love a good sci-fi, outer space movie, aliens. I love that stuff. But I hated this movie. Mm. It's very long and slow and boring. Um, By the way, it's produced by Brad Pitt, and he should probably stay out of the alien business or the sci-fi biz. Um, It's about how years into an invasion of Earth by these weird aliens, um, there's this one family where the son meets this girl that they have he met her in school and he convinced her mother to take them in or his mother to take them in. And they had this plan that these aliens are very interested in human love because they don't have human romantic love. And so they do a televised thing to try and make money. Um, and it's just about all the weird things that happen. And it is weird. I like weird. Sometimes weird is very good and very different and this, case i think weird was just to me caused me cognitive dissonance that it was just a little too weird these aliens are basically these small slimy things with these hands that they rub together like sand with sandpaper noises before they say anything and it's very irritating because every time they talk you hear the sandpaper stuff um and there's just a lot of plot holes and these little things, I mean, humans can move them around and carry them. I don't understand why they've been cowed into an invasion. I saw nothing in the movie mm. that showed that humans would be vulnerable to them. I just hated the movie so much because it was so weird. And, like, there's one character marries one of these little slimy little tiny thing. It just was so weird. The
1: um, if maybe horror is more to people's liking than science fiction, who doesn't love a good horror movie? Well, a lot of people don't. But for people that like horror, there's nothing like the story of Dracula. And there is a film out that's based on uh, Bram Stoker's story. It's called The Last Voyage of the Demeter. What is this picture about and how'd you like it?
8: So I love a good horror movie as well. And I love all the Dracula stuff. I did not care for this movie. I I think the previous iteration of this story was starring Bella Lugosi, so I think it was many decades ago. Um, I expected I was going to like this movie. It just again was long, slow, and boring. Nothing really happened until like maybe the last half an hour to forty minutes, um, and it's. The legendary story in Bram Stoker's Dracula about this ship, the Demeter, that um, is off to sea and there's these evil spirits that basically there's an evil spirit that kills people aboard. And when the ship is found at the beginning of the story and then there's a flashback to see what happened, there's nobody there. Everybody's gone. Um, By the way, there's a lot of very woke casting because in the end, the heroes and the survivors, which really there aren't any, but the the heroes are a woman and a black man, which was all too cute in terms of woke casting. Um, But the movie was just slow and boring, and I would not pay to see this movie. Unfortunately, I did because the screening was at the same time as another screening, and I had to pick, and I went and paid for this movie to see that, and it was just not worth it to me.
1: Well, um, a movie that's on Amazon Prime that people could watch if they have Amazon Prime for free, Red, White, and Royal Blue, uh, I know Uma Thurman is in this. She's uh, certainly an interesting actress. What, did, uh, what, are, what are people going to see if they go watch Red, White, and Royal Blue?
8: Well, again, another very woke movie. Uh, Uma Thurman is the president of the United States in this movie, and she has a way-over-the-top Texas accent. Um, And, of course, she's a liberal U.S. senator from Texas who's now president, As if that will ever happen. But that's a liberal fantasy. It's also a liberal fantasy that they will turn Texas to be completely blue in the elections and so on. Um, But the main story is that her son is a closeted gay man, and he meets a prince of uh, the prince that's the spare in England, who's kind of like a Prince Harry um, and he is gay also secretly and they have a romance. And this was just a very, very bad um, gay Hallmark romance (laughs) movie. I mean, I've, like I said, I've seen better on, on Hallmark or on Lifetime. This was just very cheesy, very liberal way over the top, and so boring. All right, well,
1: there's got to be something that's at least worth seeing. How about the spy thriller Heart of Stone? Any hope there?
8: Well, it was okay. It's Gal Gadot on Netflix, and right now it's in the top ten movies. It was number one last weekend. She plays the secret agent. I thought it was very convoluted and formulaic, and it wasn't interesting. I, I fell asleep so many times watching that movie, um, so it wasn't for me. One thing I want to say is that August is the pet cemetery of bad movies, where <laughs> Hollywood sends bad movies to die a quick death, and I think this month is a very, very good example of that. There are a lot of those. My uh,
1: my neighbor across the street took her two boys to see Haunted Mansion. She felt that uh, it was a little too long, but she she liked it. I'm curious to hear your take on it.
8: I actually thought this was a very cute, fun movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was too long. I thought it was very funny. Um, it was very cute. It's about this single mother and her son that inhabit this mansion, um, and they try to leave, but they can't because these – Evil spirits follow them wherever they go, so they have to get these spirits out of the mansion. I, I thought it was incredibly cute. Um, it's enjoyable. Um, there are a lot of cameos by big stars, Jamie Lee Curtis um, and some others. And uh, I thought it was fun. I think it's a great family movie. And even for adults who don't have kids, they will enjoy it but especially if you do have kids and you want something to take your kids to, I thought it was very huge. So the,
1: uh, the only thing that sounds like you think is really worth seeing that's out now is the Haunted Mansion.
8: Correct. And one thing I wanted to say also is I did not get the screener yet, but next Friday is the Golda movie about Golda Meir, the heroic prime minister of Israel. One of the first female world leaders, Puff as Nails, and it's about the 1973 uh, Yom Kippur War. So it will be interesting to see um, if the movie is propaganda against Israel or if it's an accurate story. So, all right.
1: Well, you got to keep us posted on that. Debbie, I hope you have a good weekend. Are you doing anything fun
8: this weekend? Um, sleep and relaxing. Those are always fun to me. Sounds
1: pretty good to me as well. All right, Debbie. We'll chat again soon. Thank you. Thank you. We'll do 15 seconds of fame where you get to comment on anything you like for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead.
0: It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano.
11: late
1: great Andy B, singing uh, the, the Other Side of Midnight. You know, I got an SMS text message here, and you can SMS text message me as well, at 8168 Morano, that's 8168 M-O-R-A-N-O, and said that uh, the fella that answered the question on the $1,000 Minute about vowels got it wrong. There's only five or six, and he said there were seven. You know, I just assumed that he got it right. I couldn't understand what he was saying. 'Cause he was on such a, a phone bad phone connection. So so be it. Uh it's apropos that we would end with controversy. Am I right? Without further ado,
0: let's give you an opportunity. The other side at midnight, This is fifteen seconds of fame. Jerry Whether
3: Trump's gonna be president will be up to Amy. Comey Barrett. And Brett Kavanaugh. They're going to make the choice because he's going to be removed off all ballots after he gets one conviction. They should man up like they didn't in 2020. This time they better do it. Eddie. In regards to Frank Murano's egg salad. The reports are in. Heaven going in,
0: hell going out.
3: Neil. You know, your new phone operator, Jake, is very personable, very kind, and a pleasure to talk to. He'll never
1: E. Frank, hello.
6: You say controversy. Mayor Eric Adams has a good record of suing people for saying negative.
1: Rocco. a moron, this is a moron, this is a moron. Roy. I heard Curtis
6: is leaving WABC. He's going to work for that new female radio station. WPMS, it doesn't play the news, but it sure does play the blues.
1: Rusty. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sid's, in Sid's new
3: movie, he does a passionate love scene. But guess what? Nobody's there.
1: That slams the lid on things for today. Frank Morano, good day.